77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. While war rages in the Middle East, the U.S. House is at a virtual standstill as the Republican conference works to elect a new speaker. Congressional action is essentially stalled until that vacancy is filled. Both Majority Leader Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan think that they are getting closer. They really have been making the rounds ahead of a candidate forum meeting, for instance, with members of the Republican governance groups. That is a group of lawmakers who represent a lot of swing districts. Uh, They also met with members of the Florida congressional delegation as well as the New York delegation. And so both uh, leaders, we caught up with both of them, and they say they feel pretty good about where they are. Where do you think you are on vote, sir? I think we're good. In Washington, President Biden addressed the nation with a show of support for Israel. The president vowed to do everything possible to free the American hostages, saying he has, quote, no higher priority than the safety of Americans being held hostage around the world. This is an act of sheer evil. Parents butchered using their bodies to try to protect their children. Women raped, assaulted, paraded as trophies. We now know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. Anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word. Don't. That's two words, moron. Don't. I ran down the stairs to wake my two daughters so we could get into the bomb shelter in Jerusalem. When we um, got out 10 minutes later with the all clear, I normally don't use my phone on the Jewish Sabbath, but it was an emergency and I needed to know where my son was. So I turned my phone on, I believe, at 8.23 in the morning. And when I turned it on, there were two texts in a row from Hirsch at 8.11. The first one said, I love you. And immediately at 8.11 also, it said, I'm sorry. And so I knew immediately wherever he was, it was a terrible situation. I took it to mean... I love you and I'm sorry because whatever is going to happen is going to cause you tremendous pain and worry. Some carried signs, others carried flags, but all carried pain with them Tuesday. Thousands of people filled Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza steps from the United Nations. Their message, New York stands with Israel. New Yorkers will never tolerate evil. Whether it's committed here in our homeland or in Israel, we'll never, ever tolerate evil. Everything is not fine. Israel has a right to defend himself, and that's the right that we know. Your fight is our fight.
from the amazing album Unforgettable Fire. Keep this going, Lou. This is U2 Pride in the name of love and in the name of Israel, New York City. We love you. Pride in the name of love. folks that don't know is about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Shot rings out in the Memphis sky. But it's certainly apropos this morning as now it is day four of the violence in Israel between Hamas and the Israelis. You heard an awful lot in that open there. Of course, we started with the the big day in Washington, D.C. today. There is going to be a vote on the new speaker. They ousted Kevin McCarthy, which, again, I think was ridiculous and unfair, but it's over. He's out. And uh, two guys I like a lot that have both been on this show a bunch, Steve Scalise out of Louisiana, big New Orleans Saints fan, and Jim Jordan out of Ohio. Those are the two guys gunning to be the new speaker of the House. Nancy Mace who a lot of you hate now, including Judge Pirro, my friend Nancy Mace out of South Carolina. She was one of the eight, as Newt Gingrich calls, traitors. Matt Gates leading the way. Nancy Mace will join me live coming up at 740. That's a very big guest today, very big. So that vote goes down today. But, of course, the rest of the Open, put together once again in brilliant fashion by Justin Ellick, is all about Israel. We played uh, some of Joe Biden. You know, I got home from work yesterday, and Danielle, my beautiful wife Danielle, was sitting in the living room, and she was watching Fox News, and she was waiting for Joe Biden to speak to the nation. And she said, you want to sit down and watch it? And I said, no. And she said, well, that's your job. I go, don't tell me what my job is. I don't listen to Joe Biden. I don't play Democrats on this show. They're liars. They're liars. Joe Biden... I mean, I'm having dinner last night at Harbor Lights, my dear friend Sean, and I'm getting text messages, hysterical, frantic text messages from my brother-in-law, Harry. And you folks have heard me talk about my sister, Alana, and my brother-in-law, Harry, on this show many times. I've got three sisters. I love them all dearly, equally. Alana, Ray Sherry, and Elizabeth. But my sister, Alana, is really nuts. She's a Democrat through and three, through and through, I should say. And uh, that's it. She don't want to hear it. She actually went to my sister, Ray Sherry, yesterday and said, you don't blame Joe Biden for this, do you? So I'm sitting at dinner last night, and Harry, who otherwise is a very, very smart guy, one of the smartest guys I know, but he's an idiot. He's a Democrat. He reads the New York Times. He hates Donald Trump. You know, he's got all the answers. <laughs> And my idiot brother-in-law is going back and forth with me. And I said, Harry, listen, I love you. I want you to be well. You're not capable 
of hearing anything other than what you want to hear. You're not capable. He said, well, well, prove me it was Biden's fault. I said, well, where do you want to start? Loosening the sanctions and then not enforcing any sanctions, allowing Iran to make a ton of money on oil the last two years? <laughs> Have you seen the gas prices? <laughs> Have you seen the gas prices, dummy? Handing over $6 billion to Iran, which I know they haven't even used yet. I know that, but they got it now. Where else do you want to go, Harry? Well, I said, Harry, the last two and a half years, here's what I see now that I did not see when Trump was there. Ukraine, Russia, you know, for the millionth time, I know it's getting boring, but before Trump, there was a guy named Barack Obama. Also a creep. And you had Ukraine, Crimea. Excuse me, Russia, Crimea. Then Trump comes along for four years. He's Putin's butt boy. Nothing happens. Then as soon as Trump leaves, 13 dead Americans and Afghanistan. And then you've got Ukraine, Russia. Harry, there was none of that for four years. None of it. I never heard once China flirting with attacking Taiwan. Little rocket man in North Korea stopped following, stopped firing missiles towards Japan. These are all facts. This is not my opinion, Harry, Anthony, Weiner, the rest of you. These are facts. Israel, Donald Trump had the Abraham Accords done, him and Kushner. Israel was about to make peace with Saudi Arabia. Something we never thought we would see, let alone Israelis being massacred in the streets. We had none of this. None of it. And you're telling me it's all a coincidence that this weak, feckless moron who doesn't know that the word don't is a contraction and it's actually two words, not one. It's none of his fault. If all of this was going on and Donald Trump was President Harry, what would you be saying? Oh, this guy, look what's going on. You got to be really stupid or really biased to try to figure out a way that Joe Biden is an innocent bystander here. And even yesterday, given the opportunity to call out Iran, to call out Lebanon, to really come down forcefully, the most forceful word Joe Biden used yesterday was, you ready for this? Don't. Don't. Not a, by the way, if you're in any one of these countries and you have any designs on inflicting more horror and more damage, we will hunt you out and we will kill you. You know who would have said that? Donald Trump. Because he led by strength. He may be crazy. You may hate his guts, but he led by strength. I watched the president after waiting an hour and a half with his dopey vice president smirking in the background. I watched him speak for about eight minutes, and then not only did he say nothing, very nice, he's backing Israel, wow, wow, that's really amazing. Then he goes on to tell this story. Ladies and gentlemen, how many times has Joe Biden told us stories that have proven to be lies? He goes on to waste time, about five minutes, telling a story about 50 years ago, he met Golda Meir, right before the Yom Kippur War. And you ready for this? Golda Meir 
whispered in his ear, hey, Senator Biden, don't worry. We're not going anywhere. We have nowhere to go. Three minutes on a story. Go to my ear is long dead. That was 50 years ago. There's no way to even fact check that. And even if it's true, who cares that he went to Israel 50 years ago? What does that have to do with dead Israelis in the streets? And yet, yet, Maria Horf, who was a Fox News radio personality, now she's on TV. She's a Democrat. She goes on and says, that was a great speech. She's not the only one. I'm sure my sister and brother-in-law thought it was a great speech, some of my nephews and nieces. It was a pathetic speech. It was stale. It was weak. And I got to tell you, this Carolyn Glick is going to join me live from Jerusalem coming up at 635. She was on with Noam earlier this morning. And Noam did a terrific job. Noam had one of the best shows I've ever heard at 5 o'clock this morning. All you folks that are critical of Noam need to wake up. He's great. And he had Glick on this morning. And she unprovoked, unprovoked said, and I quote, clearly Hamas and the terrorists are not intimidated by Joe Biden. Noam didn't bring up Joe Biden. She did. Because he's not intimidating. He doesn't lead by strength. And did you see him walk away? <laughs> like something out of a Frankenstein movie. I mean, he's decrepit. His eyes are like slits. He still can't manage to get through one sentence without stumbling and mumbling. He's a mess. I didn't sit there and go, yeah, yeah, Israel, yeah, United States, we got this. I didn't sit there and think that at all. There's no plan to get the hostages out. Forget about the Israeli hostages. They've got Americans. They've got Americans. There's no plan. You really believe that Sullivan and Kirby and Biden and Harris, these Mensa folks, have a plan to get these people out? Who could honestly sit there and tell me they watched this president yesterday and felt like, yeah, we got this? Who? Did you feel that way, Noam? Did you watch the president yesterday and feel like, okay, moving forward, we got this? Yeah, there's not a lot of power behind that voice. You know, it's not uh, it's not as reassuring maybe as it should be. Well, you are being really nice. Oh, these kind. You know, I mean, but, but, listen, but again, Noam is a Democrat. He's a liberal. I, uh, you know, I say that all the time. Doesn't it's not an attack on? Well, it is. I'm attacking this character. It's pathetic. But um, as Bernie so would the, say, yeah. descriptive, not pejorative. Correct. <laughs> so for Noam, that's about. As nasty as he's going to get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's agreeing with me 100%. He just won't say it the way I will, which is this president is a jerk off. He ain't going to say that. Noam's a little below that. Yeah, a little below that. It's not my job to cry. Give me the latest, too, what's uh, what's going on there. I know that obviously the original incursion took place in the south, but now they're also bombing the north. I know you asked Carolyn about the West Bank as well. So give me. Give me what Israel looks like this morning and the latest 
horrible figures. Yeah, well, the latest horrible figure is uh, the U.S. military. Uh, I'm sorry, the Israeli military saying 1,200 Israelis uh, killed in that Saturday incursion. Uh, they continue to find more bodies, and so they're taking names off that missing list because that missing list is very important because they're not sure if missing means they have been killed or if they've been taken hostage in Gaza. They think the number of hostages is around 150. Some of them we know for sure now are American. Some of those American families speaking out yesterday, asking the U.S. government to intervene in any way they can to get their loved ones out of Gaza. This all happening, Sid, as the Israeli military has amassed uh, tens if not hundreds of thousands of military members on the southern border with Gaza with it sure seems like a ground invasion coming and that coming think of it this way so this is the best way to describe it think of New Jersey right let's say you are being attacked down um, in Camden by Philadelphia okay so that's the first part of the war and now all of a sudden New York acts up and they're they're start shooting stuff from you from New York well that's essentially what's happening in Israel so in the south in Gaza there's still militants firing off thousands of rockets there's still militants shooting and now in the north this just happened in the last couple hours we got this that in the galilee which is in the northern part of israel a couple hours away rockets have been filed from the north a different form another terrorist organization hezbollah firing rockets from lebanon they essentially own lebanon and so now it's possible israel could be fighting a battle on two fronts down well, it's in not, Gaza. it's, it's in not north. possible that's exactly what's going to happen by the way, Lebanon didn't start firing rockets today in Galilee. Uh, they started firing rockets from Lebanon on Saturday. Yeah, the, but there was a real barrage today. It's, unfortunately, it's routine that rockets come from there every once in a while. But when they come in the barrage, like it looks like they did in the last couple hours, that's you know has a lot more people worried more more so than usual. No, I know. Thank you. Here is uh, the president of the United States. He's not my president, but. And most of my audience hates him, too, which makes me happy. (laughs) But some of you out there probably consider him the president. Here's Joe Biden yesterday speaking from Washington, D.C., and um, talking about the civilians and the Americans that have gone through hell the last couple of days. Lou Rubino, Joe Biden, cut number one. You know, there are moments in this life, and I mean this literally, when the pure, unadulterated evil is unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. The bloody hands of the terrorist organization Hamas, a group whose stated purpose for being is to kill Jews. This is an act of sheer evil. More than 1,000 civilians slaughtered, not just killed, slaughtered in Israel. Among them, at least 14 American citizens killed. Parents butchered using their bodies to try to protect their children. Stomach-turning reports of being babies being killed. Entire families slain. Young people massacred while attending a musical festival to celebrate peace. To celebrate peace. Women raped, assaulted, paraded as trophies. Families hid their fear for hours and hours, desperately trying to keep their children quiet to avoid drawing attention. And thousands of wounded, alive but carrying with them the bullet holes and the shrapnel wounds and the memory of what they endured.
that's all fine. I mean, I think he did a good job there of summarizing exactly what's going on. But when we needed this president to step up and really deliver a message of fear to Hamas and the rest of the world, he failed miserably, in my opinion. And being I'm the number one host in New York, my opinion matters the most. <laughs> Here he is, Joe Biden cut number two. For some reason, thinking do not, the contraction don't, is one word. Anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word. Don't. Don't. That's two words. <laughs> you keep laughing, Noam, but it is. It's a contraction. It's do not. It's two words. <laughs> That's uh, Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen. Quick shout out. To a new buddy of mine, his name is Gil Rodriguez, and he was at the house yesterday, a friend of Jen Delandro. He's going to do some stuff at the Rosenberg household. Gil, good morning. What a guest list we've got about to come your way. We're going to start going live to Jerusalem. You don't want to miss this. Carolyn Glick, who's a frequent guest of Sean Hannity on Fox News. She's with the JNS Network. She will join us live from Jerusalem in about 10 minutes then we'll go to Curtis Sliwa, Nancy Mace, coming up at 8.15 this morning. Is Hamas already here in New York? I'm going to talk to the mayor himself, Eric Adams. Peter King, Alan Dershowitz, Inna Vernikov, Tony Darrow, more. This is a can't-miss Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. One man washed. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Baby hair, 
favorite Paul and Oates song, Sarah Smile, Daryl Hall, and the Gary Delabate lookalike John Oates. Saw them in concert years ago at the Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida. Turns out, uh, Lou Rufino, that today is Daryl Hannah's birthday. Daryl Hannah, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> his uh, lookalike. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just had Jackson Brown's birthday a couple of days ago, and he, of course, knows Daryl Hannah very, very well. Daryl Hall's birthday. How old is uh, Daryl 77. Hall? 77. What? Jesus. 77, Hall. Boy, he's looked horrible for years, to be honest. He's not a very good-looking guy. He's a weird-looking guy. But uh, brilliant, brilliant singer. Happy birthday, to uh, Daryl Hall, Hall and Oates. We will go live to Jerusalem. Carolyn Glick, she's a big deal, will join us. And then, uh, as I mentioned, Curtis Sliwa, Nancy Mace, Peter King, Alan Dershowitz, Inna Vernikov, Tony Darrow, and the mayor. It's a big one. Is Hamas here in New York? I'm going to ask him. Eric Adams coming up at 8.15. And I do want to get to these stories, too, about these universities, these lowlives. New York University. When I was growing up, that was a great school. It was a big deal. Now, <laughs> if you paid me to send my son Gabriel to NYU, I'd tell you to go F yourself. I'm serious. I mean, give me a break. The SBA president of New York University writing something on the net, siding with the Palestinians, Harvard, what they've done there, grotesque. Columbia, and, of course, they're all liberal schools, all Democrats. There's one party, folks. Some of you out there love to do this. Oh, politics is all screwed up, both parties. Shut up. Shut up. Yes, Republicans have their issues. They do. But it is not one one-thousandth the sickness, the disease. You'll never hear a Republican side with a Palestinian. You'll never hear a Republican be okay with drag queens talking to your kids. You'll never be, you'll never hear a Republican ever, ever, ever being okay with giving countries like Iran money. So just stop it. It's not both parties. There is one party that is very, very sick destroying our best cities our best states, and our country. And they are Democrats. So we'll get to Dershowitz, Lindsey Graham, Tulsi Gabbard, all these folks. But it is Wednesday. Wednesday we put time aside for my man Frank Siller, and we do the Tunnel to Towers update. The foundation has now helped over 1,000 families. Here's another example of how Tunnel to Towers helps families navigate 
through tough times. The foundation was just in Argyle, Texas, to welcome Air Force Captain Tanya Andrews back into her newly renovated home. Captain Andrews enlisted in the Air Force in 2002 because she wanted to defend our country after the 9-11 terror attacks. She was diagnosed with service-connected multiple sclerosis in 2005, which left her paralyzed. She medically retired from the Air Force in 2008, and after many years of rehabilitation, she's able to walk short distances again. Tunnel to Towers repaired the wheelchair ramps in her home and motorized the exterior doors. We poured a new concrete walkway and remodeled the master bedroom and bathroom to make them wheelchair accessible. They also paid off the mortgage held on Captain Andrew's home in full. This is what Captain Andrew said, quote, Tunnel to Towers looked closely at my life and made renovations that gave me back independence that I thought I had lost forever. This is who you're helping, folks, when you go to T2T.org and donate just $11 per month. That's right, folks. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month. Do it today at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. We will go live to Jerusalem, get the latest from Caroline Glick. You don't want to miss that. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Start on the diamond here with the MLB Plus. We have our first championship series bound squad on the Texas Rangers who completed the sweep of the Orioles last night with a convincing 7-1 win in game three of the ALDS against Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore is out now in Minnesota. The Astros handled the Twins with ease, besting them 9-1 to to take a two games to one lead in that division series. Things will stay in Minnesota where game four between the Strohs and Twins is set for tonight at 7.07 p.m. in the National League. The Atlanta Braves and Phillies are nodded at a game apiece heading into that. NLDS game three set for a 5.07 p.m. first pitch this evening. Finally, in Arizona, the Diamondbacks will try and complete the series sweep of the 100-win uh, L.A. Dodgers. Game three of that series scheduled for later on tonight at 9.07 p.m. On the ice, the regular season officially got underway for the NHL last night. Won't get any local action until tomorrow, but opening night did not disappoint with the Lightning beating the Predators. Blackhawks best in Penguins and Connor Bedard's pro debut. And the Golden Knights bearing the Kraken. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oi. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Well, you know, I love this song, Natalie Merchant and 10,000 Maniacs. Oh, don't I play it for a while, but I don't have any time here. Because my next guest, who I really like, I've seen her on Hannity, she's really great, Caroline Glick, senior contributing editor of the Jewish News Syndicate, hosts her own TV show on JNS, the Carolyn Glick Show, which, by the way, is coming up in about 17 minutes. She is also the diplomatic commentator for Israel's Channel 14, as well as a columnist for Newsweek, and she is live right now just outside of Jerusalem. Carolyn, it's Sid back in New York. How are you? Fine. How are you? Well, I'm okay. I'm, I'm of course, more worried about you and the, and the folks there in Israel. Um, obviously, we are all astounded and disgusted. I'm, I happen to be Jewish, so I take this very, very personally, what's happened there the last couple of days, Carolyn. And I guess um, in terms of the fight, we know, of course, that the massacres and the original incursion took place in the south, 
but I'm hearing now that there has been some rockets fired into the north. Can you confirm right. and or deny that? Yeah, we've had uh, we've had uh, rockets uh, shot into the Galilee today twice to the separate volleys. How far is that from where you are? I'm just curious. I... Um, well, I'm actually right now about to go on uh, Israeli television in, in Modi'in, which is uh, about uh, um, which is in the center of the country, not in Jerusalem, and uh, and so the Galilee is about two and a half hours from here. An hour, an hour and fifty minutes, I guess, depending on traffic. And uh, in the south, we're about uh, fifty kilometers from uh, Gaza right now. So I guess that's like uh, what, like thirty-five miles, right. something like that. Right. So I'll get you out in five or six minutes. You have your own TV show to do. But I do <laughs> want to get your, your opinion on the president, just so you know. I'm a Trump supporter. I think Joe Biden is mm-hmm. weak. Uh, I really believe his administration, the way they've dealt with Iran, giving them money, loosening sanctions when it comes to oil. I really believe Joe Biden is uh, complicit in this attack. I don't care what he said yesterday. And I heard you earlier about two hours ago say clearly Hamas and the terrorists are not intimidated by Joe Biden's toughest word of the day yesterday, which was don't. Am I right about that? Well, I mean, there was no or else after he said that, although I guess he thinks that the USS uh, George uh, Gerald Ford is the or else. But, um, but I, I think that, you know, the, the problem here is, is really for us, it, it was uh, I mean, Israelis were really, you know, felt empowered by uh, Biden's very warm statement of support for Israel uh, last night in, in his speech. The, the problem with this speech from an Israeli perspective was that um, it, and it sounds sort of uh, almost ridiculous, but but the problem is that he said, I, of course, uh, you know, agreed with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu that uh, the laws of war need to be respected. And the, and the problem with that, uh, that, that, that statement, and it was also made on the Rachel Maddow show by the deputy uh, spokesman for the National Security Council the day before, so they were sort of playing it out, was that, you know, of course Israel abides by uh, international law, such as it is uh, in the, the, the laws of war. Um, we know we, we are a moral army, uh, just as the U.S. military is. And what we're facing is, uh, is, a, is, a, is, is, a, is a jihadist foe who, you know, is in many ways worse than the Nazis, because at least the Nazis had the presence of mind to recognize that you shouldn't brag about murdering people who are innocent, you should try to hide it, which is what they tried to do. Uh, they camouflaged the death camps. They camouflaged what they were doing to the Jews. And here, these people are bragging about it, and they're reveling in it, and they're sadists, and they're torturing the victims' uh, uh, parents by calling them up on the victim's cell phones and telling them what they did to their children. Oh, my God. Okay? I mean, these people... Uh, need to be annihilated because these are the kinds of uh, this is the kind of enemy that and nobody can coexist with and that you know we had this experiment of coexisting with a uh, with the Nazi jihadist regime at our doorsteps that has gone on for some time it never succeeded we've always been in uh, uh, wars with them and they've always been shooting uh, a- a missiles at us since uh, they took uh, since since really 2005 when. Uh, uh, Israel insanely left the Gaza Strip uh, in the thought that that would bring us peace. Uh, it was sort of a chicken little, uh, see no evil, hear no evil um, strategy, which is, of course, not 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 a brilliant one. 
And uh, so since they've taken over, they've been shooting missiles at us and trying to penetrate our border any way possible. Uh, but uh, uh, what happened on Saturday is unprecedented. Uh, we've never seen this before in the history of Israel and, frankly, in the history of, of, of uh, the Zionist movement in the land of Israel. We've never had a massacre of this scale and this cruelty. I think when you said a war of annihilation, that really rung true for me. This is not about land. It's it's no longer about that. Unfortunately, there are going to be a lot of innocent people that are going to die here. They are. Uh, But that's the way this has to go, I guess. We've had 1,200 people so far, the latest count dead in Israel, who were all murdered. Murdered. They were slaughtered. Right. So I mean, President Biden is correct. but, But what I'm saying is that, you know, for Israel to actually emerge from this war, um, without uh, long-term harm. Uh, we have to actually utterly and completely defeat uh, our enemies. And that, you know, that's Hamas, that's Hezbollah, which is, like I said already, you know, shooting missiles at us from, from the north and trying to penetrate our borders with its, with its terrorists. So, you know, we, we are already in a two-front war, and we have to defeat both. You know, Hezbollah has 250,000 missiles pointing at Israel, which has the, which is essentially, the, not essentially, this, this is the firepower of a nuclear uh, weapon. And uh, we can't, after what we experienced on Saturday, we cannot be in a position where this is, a, you know, where, where we're facing this threat as well from the Iranian proxy in our north, Hezbollah, which controls Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. this, is, this is something we have to win. And my concern with what Biden said, uh, which, again, was, you know, we're very happy with his incredibly emotional right, uh, statements of support for Israel. Um, that was, was easy. What, was what he said about international law, that what yeah. he's, he's yeah. trying to chain us with some uh, perverse idea of... of uh, of restraint in the face of, or proportionality in the face of people who behead babies. Right. I mean, excuse me, Carolyn Glick, for not being all impressed with how his heart went out to Israel. That's easy. Anybody could have done that. How about mentioning Iran at some point? But anyway, I want to wrap up the last 60 seconds with the hostages. And this is Mm -hmm. another fear of mine in that if this is a war of annihilation, I believe that wherever they've got him, it may be booby-trapped. I have no idea how many are still alive, how many are dead. I know they're starting to put stuff on TikTok and Instagram. They've warned the Jewish children in Israel, don't go on those Mm -hmm. sites. But I hate to say this, I don't believe that Netanyahu and the Israelis will, will, I guess, hold back in an effort to destroy Hamas, even if it means some of these innocent hostages may die. I know how much Israelis value each and every life. I get that. But right now, I don't believe those 150 hostages will dictate how Netanyahu fights this battle. Is that fair? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I think the expectation is that our ground invasion is the only way to save these people from being murdered. You know, the only the only way uh, that any of them are going to come out of this alive is if we if we go in and rescue them. We're not going to get anybody out by by, uh, you know, uh, uh, talking to Hamas. Right, there'll be no negotiations. Listen, go do your TV show. Maybe you can call okay, back thanks. tomorrow. Thank you, Carolyn, and stay yeah, that'd safe. Be great. All right, thank you. All right, Carolyn Glick right there once again, live in Jerusalem. She's terrific. She's the senior contributing editor of the Jewish News Syndicate. She's the host coming up in eight minutes of the Carolyn Glick Show on JNS. She's also the diplomatic commentator for Israel's Channel 14, as well as a columnist for Newsweek, Carolyn Glick, live from Jerusalem, where it seems like the North and the South are both under attack 
right now between Lebanon and Hamas. We will take a short break, come back, wrap up a great hour number one, and start a boatload of big-name guests. We do it every weekday morning. The great Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7.05. And don't forget, is Hamas in New York? That's my question. I will ask that question of the mayor, Eric Adams. He'll join me live coming up at 8.15, the Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. One confession Reach into my head to Steal the glory Of my story They say This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Dylan Wallflower, 6th Avenue Heartache. As we wrap up our number one, again, special thanks to Caroline Glick, live in Jerusalem. We may go back to Jerusalem in the 9 o'clock hour. Talk to Alex Trayman again, according to Carolyn Hezbollah, now from Lebanon, firing rockets into Galilee, which is in the north. Of course, the original incursion and massacre took place in the south. So I guess really outside of the West Bank, Right now, basically, uh, all of Israel has come under fire, and now the Israelis may be forced to fight this war. In fact, they will be on uh, on two fronts. It's cool that she said she was going to, uh, she does a show in Modine. That's yeah. Where, that's where my family lives there. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And who lives there exactly? Your cousin? Or? No, my aunt. So my mom's sister. 
yeah. has been living there since she's 18 years old. So no she kidding. raised her whole family. And when are you supposed to go home. there in the near future? Right? Yeah, I was supposed to be there. Uh, I was supposed to leave on the 25th. Yeah, but obviously you're not going now. Right, but obviously. They're okay, everybody? Yeah. Uh, well, I was supposed to go for my cousin's wedding. Her fiancé got shipped off. So. Oh, my God. But uh, he's all right as of now. Well, that's good to hear. Yes. You know, I, I um, my heart is warm this morning, even though I've spent the better part of three days crying and and very upset on this show, but I can't tell you the amount of emails, shocked, and direct messages on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, from listeners, folks I never heard of before, thanking me for being the voice of Israel, being the voice of the Jewish people, and even non-Jews, thanking me for being the voice of reason, sanity. I even had somebody drop a note off in my mailbox, which is a little alarming that people know where I live. But he's, he lives in my neighborhood. That's fine. But it was a very sweet note. So uh, if I really do, if I really do provide some of you, if not a lot of you, with some peace and solace and make you feel like it's going to be okay, then this job in terms of intrinsic value you could never, ever put a monetary, a number on that. That is that is something that really warms my heart. So if that is true and that's the case, and again, I've got a lot of emails that say it is, don't thank me. I thank you. Hour number two is coming up, including Curtis Sliwa and the big one in D.C. today. Who is going to be the next Speaker of the House? We'll talk to one of the Trader Eight, <laughs> my dear friend Nancy Mace, our two sitting friends in the morning, about to come your way. In the morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. Everything is not fine. Israel has a right to defend himself, and that's the right that we know. Your fight is our fight. Mayor Eric Adams, Israel has the right to defend himself. Your fight is our fight. That was taken from the rally last night. And don't forget the mayor himself, Eric Adams, will join me coming up in about 70 minutes. She'll be here about 8.15 
coming up this morning. It's a huge guest list coming by today. I do want to remind folks, too, that tomorrow will be the second annual Dyspraxia for DCD, America Radiothon here on the program. My beautiful wife, Danielle, and my amazing son, Gabriel, will both be in studio all day. Now, we're going to do our regular Thursday show. We'll go live to Jerusalem. Bill O'Reilly is going to be here, Judge Napolitano. But tomorrow you've got a chance to, uh, A, A, become more aware of what Gabriel was diagnosed with as a little boy and to donate to this beautiful cause that is coming up tomorrow. But you did hear from the mayor there. That was at a rally last night. And i got to tell you a funny story. So I'm getting text messages. I didn't go. I'm getting text messages from folks around town. The one that really hit me was Norman Seabrook, who I love dearly. He used to be the union leader for the Department of Corrections for many years. Great guy. And he's like, Sid, I wish you were here. There are thousands of people. New York is turning out big for Israel. This is great. And I swear to you, not even two minutes after I got this text from Norman Seabrook, I get a text from Curtis, and it reads, this rally sucks. So, without further ado, he gets big ratings, noon to one, every weekday afternoon, overnights, all weekend long, but arguably does his best work alongside me this time, every weekday morning, the icon, the legend, the voice of New York, Mr. Guardian Angel, my dear friend, and I mean that, Curtis Sliwa. Everybody loved the rally. Your text read, this rally sucks. Of course. And I'll tell you why. First off, the title of the rally, New York Stands with Israel. It's a vigil and a rally, right? New York. New York is predominantly Gentile. Uh, let's see. We had all the sponsoring agencies I looked on the banner. Not one Gentile sponsoring agency. Not even uh, like uh, like a restaurant? No, like, uh, nothing. UGAA Federation. Nothing? JCRC. <laughs> Uh, basically all Democratic Jewish organizations, right? 47th and 2nd Avenue. And I've been at these rallies before, and they fill up. They're all Jews. They're all Jews. But was, but, but, but was Norman right in saying there were thousands of Jews? Of course. They've been there before, Dag Hammarskjöldplatz. I've spoken to them before. Where are the Gentiles? Well, well you, let me you just got, say this. There were two speakers last night. Yes. Governor Kathy Hochul. Oh, God. And Mayor Eric Adams. Oh, please. Neither one of them are Jewish. Oh, yeah. Meantime, uh, Eric Adams, I was right off the stage, which was his security was going nuts because I was standing there and I had press passes so they couldn't get rid of me. And I'm saying to myself, wait, he's saying, oh, yeah, and I want you to know religious leaders have contacted me. They're in solidarity with the Jewish people. Well, where were they? Why didn't you bring some of your imam friends up there, your uh, holy roller friends? How about anybody from the archdiocese? I didn't see anybody on that well, stage I, I believe, representing other religious that, organizations. I believe that Cardinal Dolan is yeah. in Rome. Well, so. he's not the only person from the archdiocese. I understand. Secondarily, tonight, uh, Eric Adams has scheduled a conference of faith leaders. Will they all pledge their support to Israel tonight? Will he have his imam friends up there pledging support for Israel? And then you have Tish James, the attorney general. She's reading off the paper, saying anything. Just a patronized Jews. That's what they do. And I'm saying to myself, are you investigating any Muslim charities who may be supporting Hamas, Islamic Jihad, 
Fatah, uh, is ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Of course she's not investigating them because they don't have the name Trump on it. Right, as long as it's not Trump. So, but it's, it's interesting you mention Al-Qaeda and ISIS because here's what we know. For idiots, uh, again, like my brother-in-law, who I love dearly, who, who, who texted me a hundred times last night and said, how can you blame Biden? Well, here's another reason why you can blame Biden, Harry. Uh, when our 13 Americans were slaughtered in Afghanistan because of the really irresponsible and horrendous exit from, from Afghanistan, um, that was the rebirth, according to everybody in the Middle East, of al-Qaeda, of ISIS, of all those hate groups. And I can't help but think, I know you feel this way too, I can't help but think that while we're talking about Hamas and Hezbollah and the Iranians, that ISIS, Al-Qaeda, all these groups have their fingerprints on this. What do you think? Let me tell you something. You mentioned ISIS, I mentioned ICE. You're going to have the mayor on momentarily. We have here in illegal aliens who he welcomed in. And I know he's a bit geographically challenged because after coming back from that trip in South America yesterday, he had to admit, well, I may not have actually worked to deter any migrants from coming into the city. Duh! Mauritania, Mali, Niger, Chad, Sudan, I've met them all at the Roosevelt Hotel being processed. Many of them have active cells of ISIS and al-Qaeda. None of them have been screened. We don't know who they are. The ones who could screen them is ICE. ICE has been vilified by the Democrats, starting with the former governor Cuomo, by Eric Adams, by Hochul, by Tish James. How are they going to vet out the terrorists if they won't even let ICE do its job and they vilify ICE? That's a fair question. And, And just to further that, how scary that is, I was waiting for the, uh, the moron, the president to speak yesterday. So he was an hour and a half late. I don't know if you know that. So I was sticking with Fox News the whole time. I like John Roberts. And he went to some young, good-looking reporter. And you may remember Donald Trump had a ban. He listed the countries that harbor terrorists. Yes. And he banned them, which was brilliant. And it worked because nobody died. But, of course, he was called a racist and Islamophobe and all this nonsense. Well, if you look at the numbers, Curtis, of people, 30,000 from Turkey. 9,000 from Yemen, 16,000 from Afghanistan. There is a list of nine or ten countries that 1,000% harbors terrorists. And the numbers of those people that have come into this country since 2021 will make the hair on your neck stand straight up. Half the active ISIS and al-Qaeda units are in the sub-Saharan desert area of Africa. Again, Mauritania, Mali, Niger, Chad, Sudan. Eric Adams has let them in, encouraged them to come in. Kathy Hochul let them in, encouraged them to come in. No vetting. We don't know what their backgrounds are. They crossed over the border. You're going to tell me by just spending five seconds with them, we're going to know whether they're terrorists or not. You're going to tell me that some mutt, some skell in some cave in Afghanistan or Yemen or Mauritania, where they still have slavery, by the way, the Arabs there enslave the blacks. Ten percent of the black population is enslaved. That they're not plotting to send their own people over. Why not? Fly them to Mexico City. They are moved up to the border. They walk right on over. Next thing, they're being processed at the Roosevelt Hotel. I want Eric Adams to guarantee us that none of those North Africans that he processed 
in are members of ISIS or al-Qaeda because he's geographically challenged. That is part of the conversation today is and one of them. I mean, there's three reasons really why I'm bringing the mayor on. But one of them is not just the North Africans, but Hamas. Are they here? And I want to hear what the mayor's response is. Are they coming? Are they here? I mean, look, my opinion is, and I'm not here to scare the audience. I hate that garbage. Go out and live your life. You know, go to the city, go to dinner, go to events, go to ball games, go to the park with your kids, live your life. There's nothing you can do about it. If people are here to kill you, they're going to kill you. Nothing you can do. But do I think they're here? 1,000%. Sid, ICE was formed in the aftermath of 9-11 to protect us because we recognized that people were getting in here with all kinds of visas for education, travel visas, work visas, and overstaying. That's how the Saudi uh, hijackers who flew those planes into the World Trade Center and, remember, into the Pentagon, that's how they got in here. They overstayed their visit. ICE does the job, and yet we have hamstrung ICE. We have them handcuffed here in our area. So if you're a terrorist, where are you going to go? You're going to go in an area that's actively working with ICE, or you're going to go into an area? And by the way, let him deny the fact that there have been reductions in the anti-terrorism unit in the NYPD that used to have a 1,000 members. Let him go on record and say, no, we have a 1,000 cops who are still part of the crack elite anti-terrorism unit of the NYPD. Members in the NYPD will tell you their ranks have been depleted. So don't tell us we're safe when all of you Democrats have invited in what could be potential terrorists. I got to warn people. I've been there at the Roosevelt Hotel. I've seen them and nobody is vetting them. All they're saying is, oh, come on in. And we're going to outsource you into the outer neighborhoods. We're going to send you into Brooklyn and Staten Island and Queens and the Bronx, and we're going to give you a hotel room in Manhattan. Can you imagine if you're a terrorist leader in these other countries? My God, we don't even have to pay for their room and board and food. And then I saw some of these Jewish kids who go to NYU. Shame on the parents who waste their money going there. And they're criticizing me as I'm walking away from the rally. Why are you so anti-migrant? Why are you so anti-people who want to come and live? America, I said, I tell you what, let's turn NYU into migrant university with migrant dorms. You can share your meal plan with them. (laughs) You can stay at home like you had to learn during COVID and let all your dorms at NYU and Columbia be occupied by these illegal aliens. How about that? Migrant university. I hammered. I love that. Migrant university. I hammered NYU at the beginning of the show today, about 80 minutes ago. The SBA president, this uh, this animal rhino, who tried to get a job at a big law firm. Thank God they turned her down. But she, representing the student body at NYU, actually, actually sympathized with the Palestinians. Alan Dershowitz, who's going to join me coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, was on with Sean Hannity on Fox News last night. He spoke specifically about what we just talked about, Curtis, NYU, Columbia, and this animal, this lady at NYU. Folks, if your kids go to NYU... What a shame. What a disgrace. This is Alan Dershowitz, courtesy of Fox News, last night. Alan Dershowitz is with us. Professor, we've been friends a long time. I know this is deeply personal for you. I, I, I haven't spoken to you about it, but I just know. I know. I just spoke to my cousin in Stay Road. Uh, several of his congregates were killed. Massacres occurred uh, literally right in front of him. Harvard has not done the right thing. The president of Harvard... The Board of Overseers ought to treat these clubs as if they were the Ku Klux Klan club 
advocating the lynching of Jews. That's what Black Lives Matter in Chicago was doing, advocating the lynching of Jews. That's what Amnesty International at Harvard is doing, advocating the lynching of Jews. These are lynchings. These are comparable to what happened in the 1920s and the 1930s in the South. And we shouldn't mince words about that. I want the name of every student who has ever signed a petition supporting these rapists and murderers, I want their names to be revealed. We succeeded in one case today. A woman named Rina Workman, the head of the Student Bar Association at NYU, talked about how it was necessary to rape and murder. And you know what happened? Her offer as a lawyer was rescinded by the law firm. Thank you, law firm, for doing that. Would anybody want, as a lawyer, a woman who advocated rape and murder, a woman advocating rape, that's what's going on in these universities. But we're not treating them like the Ku Klux Klan. They have free speech rights, just like the Nazis and the Klan have free speech rights. But universities have an obligation to condemn these groups as forcefully as they would condemn the Ku Klux Klan. They are not doing it. Harvard's not doing it. Yale's not doing it. Columbia's not doing it. City University of New York is not doing it. It's a shame. It has to be done with the same vociferousness. And the problem here is it's a Jew condemning other Jews. Where are the Gentiles? I've told you over and over again, Sid, if you don't incorporate Gentiles, why wasn't Lee Zeldin on that stage yesterday? A Jew, a proud Jew who served in the United States military. When I offered to speak, they told me, get out of here. Okay, I'm the Gentile. You don't like me. Wait a second. I thought you did speak. I didn't speak. Oh, hey, Justin, didn't you say that Curtis Sliwa spoke last night and got a rousing round of applause? You said he was the best one. Um, you did say that. Maybe I said that in a dream and or a nightmare. I he think, said it no, this no, morning, so he, he never spoke. I think he was trying to hook up with some of the very good-looking young Jewish uh, yeah, girls. Okay. I was so happy this morning because he, he played me the Honko stuff, the Adam stuff, and I no. said, where's Curtis? No, he said they he rejected spoke, me. we don't have it. They rejected me. But by the way. They rejected me. Okay, you. so you reject me. You re Why didn't you invite Lee Zeldin? If you're claiming that this is a rally representing all of New York standing with Israel, the Vigilant Rally, not one Republican, not one Republican. Well, and you know who was there? Who? Alvin Bragg, who just released a guy who attacked a Jew and he cut him loose. Jesus. And he had the audacity to stand there like a cat that swallowed, a, you know, the Tweety Bird, right? Come on, man. The guy that should have been there is a man that spent nearly 40 years as a Democrat assemblyman who now, just a couple of weeks ago, switched parties, listening Democrats, switched parties to Republican, and that's Dove Hikind. No. Where was he? This was a Democratic rally standing with Israel for a vigilant rally. No Republicans were on the stage. No Republicans were invited to be with the other uh, elected officials who were all there just uh, looking for photo opportunities. Sid, I've been to these rallies. I've spoken to these rallies. I've told you if you only have Jews coming and praising Jews, Gentiles look from the side and say, well, I guess this doesn't involve us. So if you want a total support for Israel, because your clock is ticking, Sid, you got 10 days, and the whole world will turn against you. The pendulum will swing when they see the Palestinian women there, their grandmothers, the babies who've been killed from the bombings, and then all of a sudden they go, <laughs> wailing and mourning. You know damn well. 
The world has turned against Israel and the Jews before. you got 10 days to finish the job. Hamas is burrowing in to Gaza like rats. And remember, they opened the border gate from Egypt into Gaza for one day. Want to bet all those Hamas leaders in their wheelchairs with half an arm and missing an eye with an eye patch have been wheeled out to safety to come back and attack Israel another day? I'm no schmuck. I'm no putz. I'm no schmendrick. I'm no pisher. If you want to stand with Israel, you better get the Gentiles, the archdiocese, the imams, the holy rollers. What about the evangelicals? In many instances, who are more supportive of the state of Israel than even some self-hating Jews. Wake up, New York. You left 95% of the people on the table yesterday. You don't say New York stands with Israel when Gentiles are not there and you don't invite Republican Jews. Zeldin should have been on that stage speaking to show solidarity and unity. It was a Democratic rally of people who normally couldn't give the time of day to Israel. And you better drill down on the mayor. He's led these illegal aliens in, many of them who could be active members of ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and he won't let ICE do their job to protect all of us. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We now know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. So Americans are being held by barbaric, subhuman goons. And what is the response of the weakest president in American history? Listen. I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery, recovery efforts. Consult and advise? That's what this so-called commander-in-chief is going to dispatch his experts to do? You need to dispatch special forces, the most powerful fighting force on Earth, the United States military, to go take out these Hamas terrorists, get our hostages back, make them pay for killing American citizens. But Joe Biden doesn't have it in him. Instead, he covers for Iran and enables these terrorists to do what they do. It is sickening to the core. That's my buddy Grant Stinchfield. He used to have a show at Newsmax. He no longer does, and now he does his own podcast. And I like Grant. That's a real American guy right now. I met him once in Texas. My boy's got a bunch of guns, lives in Texas, and he don't take crap from nobody. Marianne from Brooklyn, one of my favorite people in New York, Howard Stern's Marianne from Brooklyn, actually agreed with Curtis. She said, where was Cardinal Dolan? People of all races and religions must condemn terrorist organizations. We're sitting ducks if we don't all unite and condemn. We will face another 9-11. How people are turning a blind eye is beyond my comprehension. Illegal immigrants with no documentation. What the F happened to our country? I needed to vent. Thank you. See if we can get Dolan on. And then she said something not very nice about Dolan. That's fine. But um, I think he was in Rome last week. I actually, There's a listener who sent me a picture 
with uh, with their family and Dolan at a restaurant in Rome. I'm not sure if he's back or not, but it would be nice. It would be nice. Right about that. Uh, Nancy Mace is going to join us next. While we are concentrating still a lot on Israel, with amazing guests still to come, Peter King, Alan Dershowitz, Inna Vernikoff, and the mayor, Eric Adams, set to join me at 8.15. A big, big show, obviously. Uh, Mace is going to come by and talk about the race for Speaker of the House. Will it be Steve Scalise? Will it be Jim Jordan? We're going to find out. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I woke up, man, this morning with some disturbing news out of Israel. The Hamas kidnapping children, putting them in cages, killing women, killing the elderly. That's some coward. That's cowardly. And for all y'all Black Lives Matter who ain't saying nothing, well, let me figure out exactly what happened before I say anything. you. Figure out what? It ain't never been cool to kidnap kids and put them in cages. It ain't never been cool to kill women and, and elderly. Never been. No matter where you're from, what you represent, what tribe you for, it don't matter. There ain't never been no cool. There ain't never been none that nobody supported. And then you go and hide and put the kids in front of you as a barricade. That's some coward All you politicians who always have something to say on the contrary, I see you. you. All you Black Lives Matter people who always have something to say and always support everything else and you quiet now, you too. Only place in the world where I can go and study tour and eat kosher food. Only place in the world. Some coward dog. And all y'all support it. My mama, we don't, we don't respect none of y'all for that. Peace. You know, that was my favorite piece of audio on the show yesterday. That former great NBA player, great New York Knickerbocker, Amari Stoudemire. F you. All of you. <laughs> Man, that was great. We'll talk to the mayor, Eric Adams, coming up. In about 30 minutes at 8.15, the other major story in America today is the new House Speaker. That is today, will it be Steve Scalise? Will it be Jim Jordan? Will they get the votes? Of course, you know that eight people ousted Kevin McCarthy a couple of weeks ago. Nancy Mace out of South Carolina, along with Matt Gates and a host of others, was uh, one of those people. And I know that she's gotten a lot of hate mail, but according to her, about 75% of the folks in America agreed with what she did. That's water under the bridge now. Now we need a new speaker because all the turmoil and certainly what's going on in Israel, we definitely need a House speaker to move forward with all of this. So with that said, live, I believe, from South Carolina, she may be in Washington, D.C. today, is my friend Nancy Mace. Nancy, uh, Nancy good morning. How are you? I'm good, Sid. Good morning. And first of all, I just... I am heartbroken over what's happening in Israel. My staff and I have been working overtime. We have had constituents that were stuck there that were sheltering in place as bombs were being um, sent from Hamas and Gaza over into Israel. And I just want to pray for everybody who's been affected. The entire nation has watched this thing unfold, and it's chilling. It is vile. It is evil. And we need to wipe these terrorists off the face 
of the map and be done with this. And this is all said and done. Well, no, I agree. In fact, uh, your friend in South Carolina, Nikki Haley, used the words finish them on Fox News yep. a couple of days ago, which I thought uh, was great. And I know that uh, uh, Charleston, maybe not Charleston, but certainly Myrtle Beach, Hilton Head, those areas in South Carolina where you are, those, there's a lot of Jews there, a lot of Jews. We have, we have a lot of Jews in Charleston, too, and we've been working with people to get them out of Tel Aviv and out of other towns and locations where they are in Israel, and they're scared, and their families are scared, and it is it is devastating, and we don't know how many Americans have been held hostage either at this point. I mean, it's just, I cannot believe that this happened, and I, I think the rest of us are just disgusted, the 40 babies and children. I mean, yesterday, I, I can't watch how vile and evil these people are. They are not human. It is it is disgusting. What do you think of our president yesterday? I thought it was a stale, pathetic speech. I mean, I spoke to a lady in Israel this morning in Jerusalem who said the Israeli people were very happy and appreciative that Biden was with them. I said, Calvin, slow down. Who wouldn't be with them? That was the easy part. The real leader steps up, and after he obviously sympathizes with what the Israeli people went through, he lays down the law. And not by using the word "don't," which, by the way, is two words, not one word. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna uh, we're gonna go out there, and whether it's Iran or Lebanon, which you didn't mention either one of those, by the way, we're gonna kill all these mm-hmm. people. Whatever. There was none of that. It was it was. I hate to say it. It was a wussy speech. What did you think? Oh, absolutely! It was a wussy speech. And by the way, where is the State Department on evacuating Americans? I, we're trying to we, we're getting cars and transportation for our people to get them out of there. Where are the flights to get Americans out of there? Where is that coordination? There's none of it there. You know, and, and, and so it's to see that and then to not even be able to acknowledge that taxpayer dollars may have actually funded this through Palestinian aid over the last couple of years, through the six billion that Iran was gifted on 9-11, because we talked about that. And, you know, to see that happen and not acknowledge that they might be complicit in this and they are unwilling to have a plan together to rescue and evacuate Americans out of Israel. Are you effing kidding me? And I just I am beside myself. And the other thing I want to say is, you know, this speaker fight, we got to have this debate today and get this vote over. And I hope it's a very productive day for the GOP. But we already have three point three billion dollars that Israel could have today. That was designated in the 2021 NDAA. They don't. We don't need any congressional action. It's the beginning of the fiscal year. The United States could hand over those resources right away. The other thing that the United States could do is get the State Department office AWS and help with people who are trying to export aid and resources like Kevlar, like helmets, like vests, um, aid over there to help their brothers and sisters in arms fight the terrorism that has invaded Israel. They're not doing that either. And I'm dealing with this on a daily basis, 24 hours a day right now, trying to get people out of there and trying to figure out how the hell we can get export permits expedited because it takes like a month. Israel doesn't have a month. They need this stuff now. And there's no leadership in the State Department. There's no leadership coming out of the White House. And this would not have happened under the former president's what? watch if he were president. Oh, my oh. God. What has happened to you? What, you're saying nice things about Donald Trump without me bringing him up first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Taliban didn't have American weapons when he was president. Nope. Russia wasn't invading Ukraine. Nope. I mean, none of this was going on. And I'm glad you, know, I'm glad you said that. You know, I, I listen, listen, I'm glad you said that because I, I keep trying to convince my family that 
my brother-in-law, Democrat, other people, that uh, you got to stop. You, you, you got to, you know, the, all these things that are happening now just were not happening two and a half years ago. And whatever the, the motivation was, whatever Donald Trump did, it worked. The world is a mess. And I have to tell you one more thing. We'll move on to the, the speaker race. I don't really believe that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Sullivan, Kirby, I don't really believe they have any plan, any plan whatsoever to aid Israel in getting those hostages because some of them are, in fact, Americans. Yeah, they are. some of them are Americans. We don't know the exact number yet. But I, I am beside myself at the lack of leadership at, at the State Department to even evacuate people from safer areas. Get, I mean, where are they coordinating any of this evacuation? They're nowhere to be found. Well, let's get Biden, to... Anthony Blinken, they're nowhere to be found oh, in this. Blinken's a complete and waste I, and of I time. And I'm seeing this every day right now because we're dealing with it in our office. We're dealing with the families that have families stuck there. We're dealing with constituents that are trying to evacuate. They are scared to death. They're sheltering in place. Bombs are going off. Missiles are being... Are, are targeting Israel, and they are scared to death. And it gives me chills to think that our State Department has no plan. No plan. Uh, let's get to this uh, this race, because I know you've taken a lot of fire for... Uh, My fair share of heat. <laughs> yeah, you have. Uh, you you uh, were one of the eight that uh, ousted McCarthy. And again, that's water under the bridge. I'm on record. I told you straight up. I thought it was unfair. I thought he did a good job. I don't get it. But you had your own reason. So did Matt Gates. That's fine. But I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they said, you know what's the, the saddest part maybe of this whole two weeks of chaos is that if anybody really believes, he's a Republican, if anybody really believes that there's going to be this huge difference when and if Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise takes over, they're kidding themselves. What do you think about that? Well, from my perspective, the new speaker, the next speaker, all I want is someone who's going to be honest, tell the truth, and keep their word. Because when you are dealing with a very deeply divided Congress, House and Senate and White House, all of those things, we can't have a leader that promises that promises everything to everyone every time because that's that's just a lie. You can't do that. You can't tell conservatives one thing and Republicans establishment, moderates another, Democrats something else. You're never going to get anything done if you're not honest with people. And, you know, when we get the next speaker, I'm not going to agree with them on every issue. I don't tow the party line. I step out of line quite a bit when I feel it's the right thing to do. And I know that, but all I want to know is that the next guy is going to at least tell me the truth. And I know what the chessboard looks like. We can see the chess pieces, and we all agree where the chess pieces are, so that we can make our next move. Because if we have a guy that's playing checkers and not chess and is not being honest with Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, et cetera, then it's going to continue to be a disaster. All I want is an honest man. That's it. You know, my beautiful wife, Danielle, checks in. Ava's mom. You love Ava. She says, uh, uh-huh. Charleston has one of the oldest temples. She said, ask Nancy. We'll get back to the race uh, uh, here in a moment. She said, ask Nancy about the Palestinian flag from Talib hanging inside, outside of her door in Congress. So answer it, that before we get back was, to the speaker race. It was still hanging there two days ago, the Palestinian flag still hanging there and they cannot acknowledge you know the squad they cannot acknowledge what hamas has done and the need for us to no longer aid these people these terrorists 
And it's disgusting. And I went to bed last night horrified. I was looking at a Black Lives Matter Chicago image where they're boasting about their support for Palestinians. Um, and it was a parachute glider. And it was the Palestinian flag. And what those parachute gliders did, they are terrorists. They murdered women and children. They beheaded babies. And these people are being celebrated in Congress and on the streets of our country? I don't think so. Getting back to the speaker race, thank you for that. Getting back to the speaker race for a second. You know, in practical terms, might be cause, let's be honest, you and I have these great conversations and I bring on all these very smart people like you. But the truth is about 1% of America has any idea. You know, they're, they're still caught up in Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian and if their football team is going to win this weekend. So practical terms, Nancy Mace, what does the new speaker mean to the average guy in Charleston, in Brooklyn, listening right now? How does that person's life get better? Well, I hope it'll mean we'll be more productive, that we will work together to get legislation passed, to get it through the Senate, to the White House. This has been the least productive Congress in 30 years. Well, let me stop you again. Hold on. When you talk about getting legislation passed, for example, I know you're big on women's rights. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know a lot of your uh, buddies and my buddies, which I think is the most important, is fixing this border issue. So what is some of the legislation specifically we need to get done? Well, the border is top of the list. Number one, number two is figuring out how we shut the border down. What, how far are Democrats willing to go? Where will they negotiate with us? They're going to want aid for Ukraine. We're going to want a more secure southern border. I want to shut the whole thing down, but Democrats will never allow that. So that is going to be one of the first things. Then getting through the next couple of weeks, whether it's the spending bills, the next continuing resolution, ensuring that we have leverage so that we don't continue the um, the crazy spending that's been happening that's led to inflation, and inflation has caused Americans to have to pay more for everything, whether it's food or gas or goods, whatever that is. And then there's other legislation that's coming up, whether it's uh, spying on Americans through the FISA courts, personal uh, consumer protections, data protections, et cetera, with the advent of AI and cyber We've got to do more to protect the consumers and protect technology and our agencies from getting hacked in China, et cetera. There's so much we need to do for our national security. Israel is only part of it. We should, and we should have, um, the Pentagon should be sending, you know, aid and resources to Israel now. But there may be supplemental support and resources and aid that we want to do before the end of the year. There's just so much that we need to get to work on. And I don't like the fact that we've been in, adjourned for like two weeks now. We should have had the speaker fight over last week we sh- to be moving this country forward and address the needs that we have, the critical needs that everybody has today. So there are 12 bills that need to pass, right? And uh, I believe at last look, you guys had about four that were done. Is that is that? Is that still basically the we're done? There's there's eight more to go. We can get those done in the next two weeks. And then we have to have a plan B because Schumer so far, you know, doesn't want to negotiate on the 12 bills, even though that's the law. And the problem is we got such a late start this year, missed our deadlines. We didn't even we don't even have we don't even have a budget (laughs) for the country right now. That's how bad this year has been. So um, we got to get back to basics and be able to navigate between now and the end of the year and then in January start over, do everything we said we were going to do on time, actually have a budget, have the spending bills, and negotiate earlier in the year so we're not doing these last-minute plays, which is what we're forced, we've been forced into this year. So if, in fact, Jordan and or Scalise don't get the vote, would you be in favor 
of a temporary speaker by the name of Donald J. Trump? <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> want it. He actually endorsed Jim Jordan. And uh, I, I think we'll have this resolved. Maybe we won't, but I, I feel like we're going to have this resolved. And what I hope is that it's done quickly. And then when we get through the first round or two, if, if it's very clear one guy has more votes than the other significantly more, I hope the second person will drop out back the the guy with the most votes is the majority of the majority, and we go to the floor and we vote on that speaker today. That is my hope. Uh, if we don't do that, that'll be um, a mistake for our conference. There's no reason to let this thing go on any further. And you, uh, you're you right. On the way out here, Trump did endorse Jim Jordan, who is mm-hmm. choice A, choice one for my friend Nancy Mace. It's Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. If we can run Congress like he runs judiciary, uh, it'll be amazing because I don't know anyone that works harder than Jim Jordan. You don't have to agree with him, but you do know that when you talk to him, he's going to tell you the truth. And that's what's the most important. I talk to people on both sides of the aisle. They want someone they can trust because we all know we're not going to agree on everything, but we want someone that we know when we are negotiating a deal, when we are negotiating a bill, that we're getting the, the truthful answer, getting someone who's going to keep their word and not lie to us. That, that is the bare minimum we need. That's what our country needs right now, leadership. Nancy Mace, you're great every time. You are great every single time. Thank you for uh, coming on this morning. We still love you here, even though Newt Gingrich is very upset with you. <laughs> He'll get over it. He'll get over it. Uh, good, good luck in D.C. today, we, Nance. Thank you. Thank we you. love you, too, Sid. Uh, we love you. you, too. Thank you. Nancy Mace, there she is, Congresswoman out of South Carolina. You may not like what she did to Kevin McCarthy, but she's a very strong voice, and Republicans need strong voices. You heard from the president yesterday. That was not, that was not a strong voice. That's a heck of a two hours, folks. We're not even close to being done. Alan Dershowitz. We'll go back to Jerusalem maybe and talk to Alex Trayman. Inna Vernikov. Peter King. And coming up in about 13 minutes, the mayor here in New York City, Eric Adams, hidden friends in the morning. Rolls on. Informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Why is Democratic support 49% for the Palestinians, 38% for Israel? That's your former party, Tulsi. Why? Why would they support a group that supports this terror organization? Yeah, Sean, I, I want to highlight and underline that's my former party. It's one of the reasons why I left the Democratic Party is there. Far too many people who are among the Democrat elite in this party, both politicians and those in the mainstream media, who very simply hate America. They hate what we stand for. They hate the principles enshrined in our Constitution. And we see this bear fruit through their attempts to censor Americans, undermine our First Amendment rights, uh, use the rule of law and the Justice Department to try to go after their political opponents. We see over and over again how much they hate this country and also how much they sympathize with and romanticize those who are our enemies, those who seek 
uh, to destroy us. They refuse to acknowledge this Islamist threat that is the greatest short and long-term threat to our country and people around the world, threatening our safety, security, and freedom, and, in, and, and refuse to take a stand. Tulsi Gabbard was on the show just a couple of weeks ago. That's Tulsi on with Sean Hannity, my friend Sean, last night, courtesy of Fox News. And, you know, I mentioned Dove Hyken earlier. He left the Democrat Party after 60-plus years. He's now a proud Republican. Tulsi Gabbard just left the Democrat Party. She's a proud Republican. And uh, I have to believe, although anecdotal, that more and more people are going to leave the Democrat Party. I'm not interested in what the Democrat Party was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I was a Democrat Jew at one point. I loved Ed Koch. I loved him. But this party now stands for everything wrong, everything wrong. Pro-choice, great. I'm not, too. Uh, Gay rights, fantastic. But everything that keeps us safe and keeps our children safe and keeps our money in our bank accounts, they stand for everything wrong. They really are horrible people. Horrible. So nice job there by Tulsi Gabbard. Let's break quickly when we get back. We're going to talk to the mayor of New York City. Is Hamas here? We're going to find out. Mayor Eric Adams on Sid and Friends in the Morning is next. In the morning, 77 WABC. Everything is not fine. Israel has a right to defend himself, and that's the right that we know. Your fight is our fight. Mayor Eric Adams, the last night's rally, your fight is our fight. And, um, you know, just uh, the night before that, he had a massive prayer service on Eastern Parkway in Crown Heights. He also said all the right things, and... Look, the only time I've ever been to Gracie Mansion, ever, with Danielle, was a couple of months ago, the end of Jewish Heritage Month, and the mayor made a great speech there. He's been to Tel Aviv. He's been to Greece. Why? Well, I believe the mayor does care about the Jewish people, and unlike a lot of other Democrat politicians who I think are phonies, he knows that, he's sincere. So with that said, here he is, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. Eric, good morning. How are you? Like well said, um, I am, I am, you know, as we all are, uh, existing and dealing with this situation that we're all facing. And so it's sort of difficult to say I'm fine because, like I said yesterday, we are, we're not all right. And we're going to continue uh, to make sure we keep our city safe and deal with the issues that uh, the people of Israel are, are facing right now. You know, you talk about keeping the city safe, uh, and it clearly is a somber Eric Adams here. You talk about keeping the city safe, and I'm going to come to you. You know I'm Jewish, obviously, and number one, all those good things. And uh, you came back here very quickly. You were here just two weeks ago, so thank you for that. I appreciate that, Eric. 
But you know that there's a lot of people here that are scared. A lot of folks have come to this country, and there is a prevailing thought that Hamas, if they're not on the way here, they are already here. What are your thoughts? And that's why CCC has intel and coordination on federal, uh, city, and state level. Uh, when you uh, deal with international law of asylum seekers, when you deal with uh, having individuals into your country, you must do it with a level of background checks. You must do it with a level of assurance that people are vetted. And that is what we're going to continue to call for. Uh, this must be done properly uh, to ensure that we uh, do not uh, rush and not have proper vetting of those who enter the United States. But we know, um, Mr. Mayor, that there's a lot of folks that have already come here to have an honest conversation. Thousands of folks that have come here that have not been vetted. You know that. Is that not fair to say? No, I, I don't. I don't know that. Uh, uh, if you're on regular means, or if you took my people who snuck into the country in a legal fashion, yes, uh, there are thousands who have come here uh, without going through the regular means, and that's what we must make sure that does not happen. But my role here in the city of New York is to, to ensure that uh, uh, Commissioner Weiner. Weiner is carrying out the necessary intel. She's in charge of the intelligence division in NYPD to make sure we use that intel to identify anyone that is attempting to harm New Yorkers. And we have foiled many plots over the years of those who attempted to do so. We're going to continue to remain vigilant on that. Well, that is true. You have thwarted a, a ton uh, since 9-11, really a ton. I would ask you about ICE. I love those people personally. And uh, you and other Democrat officials have come under fire because, uh, especially Governor Andrew Cuomo, too, because uh, not really standing up for ICE when uh, oftentimes, as you know, Eric, they're kind of the last line of defense. What are your thoughts on ICE these days as the world is basically on fire? Well, the, the laws in this city are, are clear, and you have to abide by the laws. If not, you're going to have a state of disorder. And the laws of this city... Uh, that the city does not uh, turn people uh, over to ICE. Uh, that's, those are the laws of this city. And uh, I don't think ICE is the front line and the last line of defense. I think the NYPD is the last line of defense for this city, and they will continue to do the job that they're doing. There was a, um, a special unit, uh, Mr. Mayor, terrorism unit, about a 1,000 of them, special forces, for the NYPD, and I've been told that unit has been depleted. Is there any truth to that? No, here's what that unit was doing, I said. Uh, I don't know if you have been at many events and you've noticed uh, that you saw uh, individuals who were using the long guns yes. uh, with heavy equipment. Uh, they were standing at those uh, locations uh, where uh, sensitive locations, uh, normal targets, we want to better utilize those officers. Instead of having five, six officers standing in front of the Empire State Building or standing at a particular location at Grand Central, we want to better deploy our officers. And we've had a massive shift in the deployment of officers, such as if you saw on uh, Monday um, at the uh, Italian-American Day Parade, 
uh, you did not see uh, 12, 13 officers every block. Why would you need that at a friendly parade? We put those officers to go to where the demonstrations were. That's how you properly deploy your resources to get the manpower and what taxpayers ask for. And that is what we're doing with that unit. It's still in place, but they're going to be being more proactive in dealing with some of the issues we're facing in the city. Mayor Eric Adams, kind enough to hop back on quickly here today. He realizes folks are nervous and scared, and and uh, he wants to be uh, the voice of, of hope here. Mayor, one more thing on this. Uh, you know, I texted you Sunday right away after I saw that Palestinian rally, and I saw that animal hold up his phone with a picture of a swastika, and I kind of yelled at you, which I apologize for. I'm like, how can you allow this to happen? And you said, and you're right, you said, Sid, I, I really can't stop him. And you're right, you can. So I apologize for, for being angry. But at the very least, uh, you can call these people out for being repugnant, yes? Oh, and that is our, that's our feeling. Let me tell you, the swastika is not only uh, brings pain uh, to the Jewish community, it uh, brings pain to the African-American community, uh, the Spanish-speaking community, uh, so many others. Uh, when you look at those who come from the position of the uh, Aryan uh, race, uh, uh, purifying race. Uh, those are just, those are some real bad symbols, and those swastikas were shown, uh, you know, during uh, freedom protests and freedom rallies. And so we we are united. People of decency uh, are united against those who are indecent, and we need to be clear on that. Uh, we are fighting against those who are hateful, and we don't want to lump every group. That's not representative of that and that. And that's what I want to be extremely careful of this city that's extremely diverse with many religious groups in this city uh, that uh, don't like the display of that swastika, don't like celebrate, hear somebody celebrate um, after what happened in Israel. And they have aligned themselves with those who are on the side of right. Five minutes to go, uh, Mayor Adams. I know you love my son, Gabriel. You guys have a great relationship. You're dyslexic. He's dyspraxic. In fact, tomorrow we've got our second annual radio. Don and Danielle and Gabe are going to be here raising money for, for the charity. And uh, Gabriel went to a school the last couple of days. He goes to a fine school in New York City, Eric. Not cheap, by the way. Private school, okay? And uh, the last couple of days he's come home shaken, cried yesterday. Didn't want to go back to school because not one but a few people inside his classroom went up to him and said, hey, Jew boy, you're going to be extinct in a couple of years. Now, i got to believe, Mayor Adams, that my son is not the only kid to be going through this. Now, to your credit, your credit, we had an issue about a month ago, and you said, hey, it starts in the home with the parenting, and you know that 14-year-old kids are still babies. They don't know this stuff, so they are hearing it in their homes. But either way, if that was your son who you love desperately, what kind of night would that be for you? No, and and I and I feel for your son, you know, who I do like, and your family. Uh, you know, I remember my, I remember my son uh, in schools. Uh, he went to a school uh, that was in college level, and someone got on the elevator and said, "Look at that gorilla." Oh God! We know the pains that our children experience, and we know that we have to constantly fight against them. Your son should not experience that, and my son should not experience that. And, you know, what we're teaching at home, it translates into the behavior of our children. And that is some of the ugliness uh, that we look at. Uh, the Israeli people are resilient. 
uh, just as uh, those who have gone through horrific conditions, and we just telling our children, no, you will not be sick. You will be here, and he should report that to school officials, whatever child did that. And their parents should be brought up uh, to the school. It's not a, a, it didn't break the law, but it darn sure broke, I'm sure, school rules. And when people are expelled for doing something like that, it would send the right message. If you ignore it, uh, then it would only continue to grow. You know that me and Danielle are not going to ignore it. <laughs> um, listen, on the way out, I did have um, Police Commissioner Eddie Caban on last week. He was kind of to stop by during Hispanic Heritage Day. We've got a big day coming up here, and I hope you and Eddie both come back to Blue next Friday where we uh, you know, support our police and honor our police. I know the crime stats just came out. Uh, you got some good things going on here. The Fifth Avenue Holiday Street closings, which I loved last year, just outside of Saks Fifth Avenue. But the crime numbers came back, and uh, they were pretty good, weren't they, Mr. Mayor? Yes. Uh, Eddie's doing an amazing job, continuing from uh, former Commissioner Kishan Su. Uh, it's just a real amazing team. And I think people are going to be impressed uh, with uh, the well oil machine. We paid our offices well. Uh, we settled the contracts, and we understood they deserved the fair pay wage. And we're going to continue to drive down crime and make this uh, the big city in America as we are now. We're going to continue to do that. So in the final 30 seconds, I know you have to run. What is your outgoing message to New Yorkers who are, like me, clearly shaken by what's going on in Israel and quite frankly, Mr. Mayor, on nervous, we, right here in New York, could be next. Well, we should not pretend, as I said yesterday, we should not pretend as though we're all right. Uh, those images are real. Uh, we're not all right. And we need to unite together. But I think it's imperative that as New Yorkers, as diverse as we are, that we need to align ourselves with everyone that believes what we saw in Israel was wrong and that will stand in unison. We're having a faith uh, gathering today at Gracie Mansion, and that's the message we're going to send out. Uh, this is, you know, we're people of faith, and those faith comes in many walks of life, and we need to embrace them all as we continue to fortify our city. New York is, uh, the, is the most important city when it comes down to lifting up all of our religious philosophies and beliefs and not hatred. Hamas, does not represent the Jewish community. They represent their own uh, evil and hate. They don't represent the Muslim community, I should say. They represent their own evil and hate. And we need to deal with Hamas and make sure that they don't continue to exist to do what they did. Mr. Mayor, thank you for hopping on today. I know you care. That's why you're here. Fabian Levy, too. I know he's got family in Israel, so please wish him uh, the best from me, Eric. And uh, I'll talk to you and see you again very soon. Great job here today. Thank you. Take care. All right, take care. There he is, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, who uh, fit me in today. Today was not a great day for the mayor in terms of his workload, but he said, Sid, for you, I'll find 12 minutes, and he did. Nice job, Mr. Mayor. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Don Henley, man, is he right, folks? End of the innocence. I think people don't realize how bad this can get. I really don't. And again, I'm not one of those drama queens. I, my loved ones, my own family members, my friends, I'm constantly saying, stop, smile, be happy. Because... You just can't live your life walking around every day worrying something horrible is going to happen. You may as well be dead. There's no way to live. Anxious and nervous and angry. Can't do that. But I may walk around with a smile, but I'm not stupid. And this is not just a bunch of bad people who did some bad things, as my brother-in-law said last night. That's really narrow-minded and stupid. This is a world effort. And I thought the mayor did great just now. And I know you're gonna, I'm gonna go to Facebook and Instagram and Sid, you're a pussy and God, you disappointed me. And well, you're just a jerk off if you write that. He's the mayor of New York City. He's not Bill de Blasio. He deserves at least a modicum of respect. And the idea is to get him back here. And I am friendly with the guy. So I'm not, I'm not out here to kill him. I'm sorry if you guys wanted blood from the mayor. You're not gonna get it. But guess what? With all your stupid, angry posts and comments, you're going to be here tomorrow again and every day because this is the best show in New York, and it's not even close. And I get the mayor. So you can yell and scream about how much you hate him. But I thought he was good today. Now, now, I disagree with him. I told him ICE is the front line. He said, no, it's not. It's the NYPD. That's fine. I also believe they are here. If he was to ask me, for example, if I was on WBLS and it was his show, and the mayor said, Sid, what do you think? I say, they're here. They're all here. And again, I'm not doing this to frighten people, making nervous kids out there. Go live your life, but they're here. How can they not be? I saw a list of nine terrorist countries, and I say terrorist countries. I'm not labeling the whole country. I'm saying haven for terrorists that... At one point, Donald Trump, our best president, actually had a travel ban. Nobody died, of course. He did a great job. But no, no, he was an Islamophobe and a racist and a bad guy. And you know what? You can call me all those things, too. If I keep people safe, I'll be happy. I'll be happy to wear all of those. Truth is, Donald Trump did a great job with this administration. They're, they're, They're putting us all out there like sitting ducks. They're here. Now, could they orchestrate an effort like we've seen here before or in Israel? That I don't know. I'm not 
not a intelligence guy. I don't know. But it's you'd have to be a moron to think with the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have entered this country illegally. And again, I disagree with the mayor. None of them have been vetted. Not any of them. You know, not the mayor's fault, but the vetting is, hey, what's your name? Hey, what are you coming here for? Hey, good luck. It's not vetting. We have no idea who these people are. The ones that are quote-unquote vetted or not vetted. And there are thousands who just come in illegally. So if he would have asked me the same question, I would have said, yeah, they're here. Now I'll put my faith and trust in the NYPD and ICE and the FBI and these other folks to keep us safe. Because the truth is, dating back to 9-11, they thwarted a ton of events. You remember that white truck parked on... I believe 42nd Street, Times Square. You remember that, Noam. And they were about to do some real serious damage. We thwarted that. How many times the border from Canada, from Seattle, do we stop these folks? You have to believe that's going to be the case. But to say this is just a couple of bad people, these are bad people who did bad things, man, you are not paying attention. You know, Long Island is all over the news today. This, uh, uh, Norm, what's the latest here with George Santos? What's his deal today? Uh, you know, up on new charges. Uh, apparently, he was using people who had donated to his campaign. He took their credit cards. and What? Bought, yeah. He took the information. From the, Stop the, it. No. The accusation is, is that he used the credit cards for other items and, you know, obviously without their permission. And he actually stole, like, their ID, like... He, he basically assumed the their name uh, the names and stuff. Did I see that? Is- yeah. Well, you know, they pass over. You know, you pass over your information when you're giving money to a campaign, and he used that information apparently to buy other stuff. Jesus. Now, you remember this uh, pussy Tom Swazi came on a couple of years ago with me and Bernie. God rest Bernie's soul, and he admitted that Ron DeSantis's parental act was terrific, and that little kid should not be taught sex by blue haired. Earring noses teachers, and then he got a whole bunch of help from the Democrat Party, and three days later said what I said with Sid was inartful. You remember all that? Yeah, I do. So he's a pussy, and now he's running uh, to take that seat back. Yeah. And he should never get it, just for what he said with me and Bernie. But a guy that knows him well is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the two best politicians locally in my lifetime along with Rudy Giuliani, longtime congressman out of Long Island, Homeland Security, my dear friend Peter King. Peter, good morning, buddy. How are you? That's it. I'm doing fine. You know, the world is in the terrible shape. What's happening in Israel is absolutely horrendous. It's, uh, in fact, it's almost so bad that it's hard to appreciate that it's real. I mean, it's almost like a bad movie you're seeing. Uh, uh, in the past, when Israel would have these wars, you know, there would be the individual terror attacks but it was a six-day war, Yom Kippur war. These are wars, armies against armies. This type of attacking kibbutzers and attacking senior citizens, attacking kids at a concert, is just, uh, again, this goes against all of the uh, uh, accepted mores we had. I mean, you don't expect a lot from Hamas, but even from Hamas, this is absolutely disgraceful what happened. It's uh, To me, it's really changed you know, the way we're going to live, and it's going to have to change the way Israel responds and retaliates against Hamas. You know, if it was just Hamas, I knew for a fact, and we don't know for a fact anything, really, obviously, but, I mean, you, you follow the money and, you, and you, you know, you, you read enough things, you find out the truth. But if I knew it was just Hamas, then as awful as this was, and it was catastrophically awful, I could live with it. But if you really do your homework here, 
and you'll start to find out. You will start to find out that Iran's fingerprints are all over this. You've got the Hezbollah in Lebanon. They're all over this. I believe that the rebirth of ISIS and al-Qaeda in Afghanistan after that deadly exit by Joe Biden, I believe they're in this. I believe this is a concerted effort by a lot of countries and a lot of folks because there's no way a bunch of these ragtag animals were able to go by land, air, and sea and get through the Israeli border and do what they did. And to me, that's the scary part is this was not just Hamas. This is an, a big effort, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I was using Hamas as an example because they're the ones we see right now. There's no doubt in my mind at all that Iran was behind this. Iran is the source of evil in, in the Middle East. And uh, obviously, you know, with Hezbollah, they control Hezbollah. Hezbollah is in, in, in Lebanon, but Iran controls them. And also, I know you were talking to uh, Eric Adams about, you know, people here in this country, in the city and everything. And apart from the new ones who have come in, I mean, this goes back years ago, and Ray Kelly was the commissioner. Hezbollah is one of the uh, uh, it's, it's the most powerful terrorist force in the world. And there are many, many known, uh, hopefully known, uh, Hezbollah supporters in New York, in the United States. They're here now. They would claim that they're political, not violent. But I remember, again, back when I was in Congress, the concern was that if something does break out with Iran, that there are a number of Hezbollah operatives in this country ready to act immediately. So uh, I, I know Ray Kelly actually caught several of them out here uh, 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 monitoring and scoping out different uh, target sites and everything else. So, no, these, these are real threats. And ISIS is there. Uh, Al-Qaeda is there. And, you know, I, I even followed up on this. But I know there were the stories in the papers a few uh, a few weeks ago that they were going to be cutting large counterterrorism units. What we work we can possibly make. This is uh, uh, real. Even when Adams, I do I basically. He was saying you got to put the, put, put the, Pete uh, on hold because there's a lot of good information there that was uh, broken up because he's, you know, you think a congressman of his stature and Mr. Long Island would have a halfway decent damn cell phone, King. Clearly not the king of T-Mobile get uh, Peter back on here because it sounded like he had some uh, pretty good information there. Pete, you were saying that you're reading the papers and you're going above and beyond some of the terror groups that I mentioned and went back to the Mayor Adams conversation. I'm sorry, can you can you restate all that? Yeah, uh, several things. There are the reports that there's proposals to cut the NYPD counterterrorism unit in, in the uh, budget. And you know, the mayor was saying how you know the, uh, the cops with the long guns they take them away from things like the parade because the parade is a peaceful operation. It is. But it's important to have cops there to show that that parade cannot be attacked. Ray Kelly took this from the Israelis of ha- having these cops with the long guns, having the heavily armed guys going from place to place around the city to send a message that we are ready to strike anytime. So, again, I don't know what their current thinking is, but I wouldn't be so quick to take those units off the street. And again, no one expects anyone in the same and the uh, Columbus Day Parade, St. Patrick's Day Parade, the Israeli Day Parade to start trouble. It's the people coming into the parade that you have to worry about. People, you know, the, you know, they might attack it. And as far as Hezbollah, like I was saying before, I don't know if that was cut up or not. Hezbollah uh, has many, many operatives here in the United States. They would claim to be political, but again, going back years ago, Ray Kelly actually uh, caught a number of them monitoring sites, scoping out potential targets here in New York City. So we have to constantly be on our guard. And that's in addition to all the new immigrants who come in that are not being vetted at all. 
And ICE, I think ICE is absolutely essential. Yet there's nobody better than the NYPD, but they need the FBI. They need ICE. They need all of the forces working together to stop this threat. So I sat there for an hour and a half yesterday, literally waiting for this uh, imbecile to come on and tell us um, what the United States plan was, you know. And he walked out, and, I mean, you couldn't look older. I mean, there's nothing intimidating about this man. I mean, I felt badly for him. He's like 80, and he looks like he's 90. You know, he walks very, very slowly. Right. His, his back is arched. He walks out like Frankenstein. He, his eyes are all slit. He still mumbles and stubbles his way through every speech. And I listened, and, you know, for people giving the president credit, for backing Israel, that is ridiculous. Of course he's going to do that. Anybody would do that. That's the easy part. I wanted to hear a man in charge, a leader, who was going to instill fear into Iran and Hamas and all these groups. And the highlight of his speech, which is two words, not one, was don't. Never mentioned Iran once. Anybody, anybody who thinks that was an effective speech by the biggest leader in the world yesterday, is a moron. How about that? No, listen, he, uh, first of all, we're not mentioning Iran. That was a, a terrible mistake. He should have said, well, it's Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, anyone at all involved as far as, as, far as we're concerned, they're enemies of the United States, and action is going to be but, yeah, but I know why but he also, didn't. I, I know why he didn't mention Iran, because he's a coward. And if he mentions Iran... Then he's got to deal with, well, wait a second. If you think Iran was part of this, why would you give him $6 billion? Why would you not enforce and, and not even, you know, or make sure that the sanctions on the oil are in place? So when they made a ton of money, they didn't, they didn't use this $6 billion. You know that it's true. They didn't, they didn't need it. Joe Biden has allowed Iran to make so much money the last right, couple of years. Right. So he don't want to answer those questions. That's a coward. Also, Sid, I thought it was wrong for him to put this downturn on it, saying uh, Israel's been horribly attacked, all these terrible atrocities, but they have to uh, follow the rules of law, of of war. I mean, what is the purpose of bringing that up now? Somehow implying that Israel is the same as Hamas, that uh, you have to make sure that Israel follows the rules, even though Hamas doesn't. There's there's a time and place for all of that. The fact is, after Pearl Harbor, we didn't go out and say, you know, let's attack Japan and make sure we do it the right way. You do what you have to do to win. And you don't start putting negative restraints on people, Great. certainly not publicly, at, at a time like this when there's so Great. many people being decapitated and yep. killed and tortured. No, it's, and unfunny, no, it's funny you say that because uh, I'm going to go back live to Jerusalem in about 10 minutes. The guy's terrific, Alex Trayman. But I had a lady on this morning, 6.30 this morning, live in Jerusalem. She's a big deal. She's on Hannity's show all the time. Her name is Caroline Glick, and she pointed that out. She said, hold on a second. Folks, I got bad news for you. This is a war of annihilation. It's not about land. These animals went into our neighborhoods unprovoked and murdered and raped and slaughtered and cut the heads off of 40 babies. This is not the time for restraint. She said the same exact thing. Yeah, well, then I, I agree with her. I mean, this is this is serious stuff. This is, you know, we can be on your show and kid around. We can enjoy ourselves in life. We can go to baseball games and boxing matches and everything else. The fact, oh, you can go to, you know, Danica Dulos, have a great dinner. The fact <laughs> is, there's life and death right now. This is time we have to take a time out from fun and address this seriously. Maybe we can back to having a good time in a few days. Or That's few right. Weeks. But right now, there are dead bodies. There are young kids. There are people being held hostage. Their families are suffering because of evil people. It's Hamas. It's Hezbollah. It's Iran. It's everyone. ISIS. You can go to uh, uh, Al-Qaeda. 
uh, all these terrorist groups, Islamist terrorist groups. And I don't always agree with Curtis. The one thing he's saying now about everyone is standing with Israel. And in a few weeks, this is going to start to die down. That's my concern. After 9-11, everyone was saying, we got to be more aggressive. we got to monitor. we got to make sure this never happens again. And then we spent the next five years doing the NYPD and the, and the feds for, you know, for monitoring the Muslim community too closely. Right. And, you know, we went on defense. I mean, they, they held uh, rallies against me in Times Square when I was doing the radicalization hearings. So I think Israel's got to move quickly. they got to get as much done as quickly as they can before this whole counter-movement comes in talking about all the poor, dead Hamas people, all the yeah, dead exactly. civilians in Gaza. I mean, it's yeah, terrible. Please. Uh, did you ever do any, did you do when you were with Homeland Security? Were you involved ever, Peter, in any hostage stuff? What are your thoughts on that situation? Uh, again, I hate to sound cold, and if it was my son, daughter, or grandchildren over there, I'd say do whatever you have to do to save them. The fact is, Israel has to look at the big picture. And I think it's inevitable with some of those hostages, maybe many of them are going to be killed. Yeah. You can't allow Agreed. Hamas to be killing thousands of people and then putting up human shields to prevent retaliation. Right. Or dictate terms. Heartless, but we have to do it. Or dictate terms. I mean, if they think, you know, they only took yeah. these hostages because they, they, they know their leverage. They don't care about them. You cannot allow oh them to God, dictate no. terms, which is terrible. You're right. You know, uh, I do want to move to the speaker conversation. Though I know you heard Nancy yeah. Mace on with me an hour ago. Uh, she prefers Jim Jordan. Trump prefers Jim Jordan. Do you have a preference today, Peter? I would probably lean toward uh, Steve Scalise, but I'm not certain you're going to see much progress. I was talking to Anthony Esposito this morning, and he was saying at last night's meeting, everyone was you know, really going at it. They have not come up with a consensus. And remember, there was a consensus for Kevin McCarthy at 96%. I mean, even the Soviet Union, they don't get much better elections than they you know, didn't get much better elections than that. So I don't know how they're going to get to 100 percent. And that's what you're going to have to have now. We're down to, I think, a three or four vote majority. And uh, so I'm, I'm not hopeful. Again, I don't want to be negative. I'm not down there. I'm not feeling it. But talking to Jay Esposito this morning, he seemed very down. And he's a pretty optimistic guy, usually. But he just sees the party divided right yeah. now. And how do you get to 100 percent? And uh, Jim Jordan and Scalise, from, again, from what I understand, uh, you know, some people on both sides were locked in against them no matter what. In the past, we didn't have that. I mean, you know, we would have these inter-party elections, and we would, even if the guy won by two or three votes, you won. Then when it went to the House floor, that's the one we all supported. Now that you have this veto power by people like Matt Gates, that's why it was so dangerous what was done last week. I mean, we, we, we right now, you know, when you have a war, we have something going on like this. They have to call it Gang of Four. You have the minority leader, you have the speaker, you have the uh, Majority leader in the Senate, minority leader in the Senate, sit down with the president and all of the top intelligence people. We have no one there. There's no Republicans sitting at that table from the House side. It's the one, it's the one body of government we control, and we can't even have somebody sitting at the table because we basically uh, you know, don't exist right now. The House representatives can't pass anything. They can't do anything. And they have no one who can represent the House in important negotiations or talks. Not even a budget. Not even a budget yet, Peter. So on the way out, I know we said we're not joking around much these days. And we're not. I know I'm not. I've been pretty upset the last couple of days, obviously. But I know Melissa Zim, our uh, mutual yes. friend, your driver, yes. Melissa, is still upset about the car. But I want you to hear this. I just got a text from Joseph Abood, and it read, we need more brave politicians like Peter King. Wow, that's your first one. I, I think Joseph Wood is great. I really appreciate that. It means a lot coming from him. That doesn't make Melissa any happy. 
She's a tough, unyielding person. So I got to put up with her. I know. Okay? A poor husband, Lance, he really has to put up with her. She's going to be coming after you if you don't work this out with Joseph Blue. And I'm warning you. Thank Joseph Blue for what he said. I will. I know Lance is a tough guy. Uh, Peter, you're always great. I mean, seriously, I, your intelligence, uh, you know so much about politics, about intelligence, security. You are so valuable for, to me on this program. And I love you as a person, too. So thank you so much, Peter. Thank you, Sid. Thank you very much. God bless you. That's the great Peter King, ladies and gentlemen. That wraps up hour number three. Been a great three hours. Not nearly done. We're going back live to Jerusalem. And I have to tell you, folks, these live updates are eerie but very, very informative. Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem coming up next. Then Ina Vernikov, Ukrainian Jewish city council member. She's running again. She's got about 2,000 people that she talked to yesterday, the day before, trying to find relatives in Israel. We'll talk to Ina and my friend Tony Darrow. Big 9 o'clock hour to come. Keep it right here. Sit on a Wednesday. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. I ran down the stairs to wake my two daughters so we could get into the bomb shelter in Jerusalem. When we um, got out 10 minutes later with the all clear, I normally don't use my phone on the Jewish Sabbath, but it was an emergency and I needed to know where my son was. So I turned my phone on, I believe at 823 in the morning. And when I turned it on, there were two texts in a row from Hirsch at 8.11. Uh, the first one said, I love you. And immediately at 8.11 also, it said, I'm sorry. And so I knew immediately wherever he was, it was a terrible situation. I took it to mean, I love you and I'm sorry because whatever is going to happen is going to cause you tremendous pain and worry. That is some heartbreaking audio right there. This is told to what sprocket. Something's always wrong. That lady's name is Rachel Goldberg, and her son Hirsch. I believe the story goes that he was at the music concert. 
260 people were killed there, including that young girl. They paraded around town naked. And I believe he got his arm blown off, this uh, poor young man. And the Hamas animals wrapped his arm in a tourniquet and then dragged him to the car. And they made him one of their hostages, Hirsch Goldberg. And uh, he did, in fact, text, I love you. I'm sorry I saw the text on television because he is worried that his parents are going to be concerned and worried. And God forbid he dies. What kind of life are they going to have? So, Pretty courageous kid to say, I'm sorry, as he's going through what he's going through. But that's where we are, folks. That's why when we talk about a war of annihilation, anybody who disagrees is an animal. They're not human. Whether it's AOC or Ron Colby or Linda Sarsour, any one of these low lives. Alex Trayman has joined me now three consecutive days. He uh, works for JNS, and he's live in Jerusalem. He's been providing me with updates for three consecutive days. Alex, good morning. What do things look like today in Jerusalem? Uh, good morning. Thank you so much. Uh, sure. In Jerusalem, there's a tense calm, but obviously in the south of Israel, uh, still there there are terrorists roaming around much less than the 1,500 that were already killed by the IDF, uh, but probably still a few rogue terrorists left in, and roaming. There was just a terror attack not far outside of Jerusalem this morning, which is another one of the big threats that uh, we will start to see terror attacks uh, rampant inside Israel, inside Israeli population centers. Uh, there have been nonstop rockets fired uh, towards Tel Aviv and in the area surrounding uh, the Gaza Strip uh, the, today. And also there's been skirmishes along the northern border uh, with Hezbollah in southern Lebanon and uh, people living in the north uh, many have moved down to the center of the country just to get out of the area, and the rest are, are hunkered down in shelters where they've been told to stay until further notice. Tell me about this terrorist attack in uh, Jerusalem, because yesterday there was um, some confidence coming from you guys that they had gotten those terrorists out. Uh, and now we're hearing, well, maybe most of them are out, but there, there are still plenty. I believe there's still plenty there. I do plenty. And uh, they have infiltrated, I believe, just about every neighborhood. So give me the specifics on this attack. How far exactly was it from Jerusalem? Well, this this latest terror attack was really just about uh, two miles to the south of Jerusalem on the southern entrance at one of the checkpoints between uh, Judea and Samaria, between Judea, uh, which is commonly known as the West Bank, uh, and Jerusalem. But this isn't this wasn't from a terrorist that infiltrated from Gaza. You have to understand that throughout Judea and Samaria, you have probably another uh, 1.8 million Arabs. Uh, living among approximately half a million Jews. And then you also have Israeli population centers like Jerusalem, where it's a city of close to a million people, but at least 250,000 of them are, are Arabs. Uh, and you have other uh, Israeli population centers that are mixed cities like Ramla and Lod and, and Jaffa and others. Uh, so the, the big fear is that uh, they will be drawn in. Uh, that uh, they obviously don't have the same type. Copycats, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, I fear that too. And um, there'll be a lot of them. You know, I don't know about you. Are uh, you feel Alex? You're there. You're in Jerusalem, and you're certainly more up on this stuff than I am. But I said to somebody earlier, I said if this was just Hamas, I'd feel well, a little better. 
But I really believe that whether it's Hezbollah in Lebanon, Iran, their fingerprints all over this. Something tells me maybe Al-Qaeda, ISIS. I don't know. I just feel like this is a concerted, this, this specific attack, which is still going on, by the way, was a concerted effort by a lot of hate groups, a lot, not just Hamas. You guys feel that way? Well, Iran's created a ring of fire around Israel with Hamas of the south and Gaza. Hezbollah is the largest force uh, by far in the area to Israel's north. They have 150,000 rockets, long-range rockets, sophisticated rockets, precision-guided, uh, pointed at Israel. Uh, there are terror groups in in South Syria, uh, which is a, a failed country that, that is controlled by nobody, basically, uh, that could attack at any time. And then you have all the, the terror hornet's nests inside Lid, Samaria, uh, and even within the Israeli population centers. And then you, you have other other Iranian proxies like the Houthis in Yemen saying that they are willing to and ready to get to get into the war. Uh, we've heard reports that uh, that weapons that were left in Afghanistan to the Taliban have made their ways into Palestinian hands. So we're seeing the entire uh, jihad basically yeah. uh, waking up and suggesting that now is their time uh, to attack Israel. I also saw a story yesterday that they found a pickup truck which had weapons from Ukraine that we also paid for. So if all that's true, they're using Ukrainian weapons, Afghanistan weapons, Iran is a part of this. I'm sure you watched my president speak yesterday. I thought it was a feckless, weak, wuss speech. He never mentioned Iran. You know, he he supports Israeli people, big deal, who doesn't. But it certainly wasn't a very tough speech, and he never mentioned Iran or any of these uh, other countries. For me, I thought it was a colossal disappointment. You're in Jerusalem right now, hearing rocket fire all day. What did you think? Well, you know, the things that he said were seemingly nice and that that they have Israel's back. But I think that the big question is, you know, it's easy to say that you have Israel's back when it's very clear that Israel's the victim of a horrific massacre. But now Israel's turned the tide and launched its counteroffensive. Very soon you're going to start to hear about death counts in the Gaza Strip that are going to likely be much, much higher than the death counts that we saw uh, here in Israel over the last week. And the question is, how long will the Biden administration have Israel's back? Will they, uh, once they feel that Israel's done enough damage to even the score, will they then turn on Israel and pressure Israel to stop? Or will they do what uh, surprisingly former President Barack Obama tweeted the other day, which is that America will stand squarely with Israel as it dismantles Hamas? So will they let Israel finish the job and defeat Hamas as an entity once and for all so that when this conflict is finished, that Hamas ceases to exist further? I just saw a tweet from a friend of mine, and it says the leader of Hamas just called for a global day of jihad this Friday. Do not leave your homes that day unless there's an emergency. Avoid public transit. Avoid airplanes. Avoid public Events. Are, are you aware of this? This uh, tweet circulating. I mean, they, yeah, we, we've heard we've heard about it. The very public calls, and they've called for days of rage inside Israel uh, time and again. Where where we've had terror attacks on Fridays, which is their favorite day for a day of rage. Uh, I I think that they're they're calling now for for massive rage, and it's not just going to be on Friday. It started this past week, and and we're we're already seeing the northern border heat up and. 
if if Hezbollah will start firing rockets at Israel, uh, you, you were talking about a major mega war uh, that that's going to be breaking out over here. They already started. As far as I know, Hezbollah fired into the south on Saturday, and I believe into the north yesterday. Is that not true? Yeah, we start. We've seen some of the you know uh, less sophisticated rockets fired. You know, there's sort of these these tests that are being uh, waged by Israel and by Hezbollah to see you know just how far the other is willing to go. And this is basically how these conflicts uh, get started. There's, there's these testing, and we see how many people are killed on this side or how many people are killed on that side, and then and then that. Uh, episode is what becomes the justification all of a sudden for for a larger war. So there, there's a big, big fear uh, that the Hezbollah front is going to open up, and, and that's why you have uh, people in the north hunkered down in bomb shelters until further notice. Geez. So right now, the uh, the north and the south are under siege. I mean, basically, the West Bank is the only part that's that's not being attacked at this point. Is that fair? Well, that, that terror attack, which I mentioned uh, earlier, just outside Jerusalem, you know, that was right on the border between Jerusalem and the West Bank. These are the Jew- these are the Jewish provinces of Judea and Samaria. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there, there's a big fear that uh, these terror or- organizations, which have been increasing the number of attacks uh, over the, a period of about two years, we've just seen attack after attack after attack in Judea and Samaria. Uh, that this can start to to pick up in a big way as well, and then and then even bigger fear is that the Israeli Arab citizens, the ones that are not in the West Bank but are are have Israeli citizenship or Israeli residency, uh, that they could join in as well as we saw two years ago when Israel was conducting its Guardian of the Walls and we had riots in in major Israeli cities. Alex Trayman again live from uh, Jerusalem. Um, the hostages. This seems to be the leverage that. Uh, Hamas is trying to use, if you bomb us, you know, Joe Biden yesterday came out and uh, said, if you're thinking about doing it, don't. doesn't seem like they care. Bottom line is Hamas doesn't care what Joe Biden says, what Netanyahu says. They are, uh, at least it looks to me, over these last five days, ready to carry this out in a big way, and uh, it's going to be a lot worse. That's my opinion. And I think Israel feels the same way, and now this is not about land. This is about annihilation which makes the security of the hostages no longer a top priority. I know Israel values every life, but if you're going to annihilate Hamas in the Gaza Strip, you have to come to the sad realization innocent folks are going to die. Is that not a fair assumption? Well, innocent folks have died already. That's the whole thing. There's been over 1,200 killed. By Hamas uh, this week, uh, and over 3,000 uh, injured, many of them moderately and seriously. I think there's uh, over 100 that are uh, very seriously injured in Israeli hospitals. So the death toll is, is likely to continue to rise. Every day we're learning that the massacre was worse than we thought previously. And, you know, had, had there been just some kind of an operation where uh, you know, maybe a few people were killed and then you had 10 hostages and that was the end of their operation. Then you might see Israel say, OK, well, let's let's try to negotiate and see what we need to do. Remember, it was uh, we we had an Israeli soldier who was kidnapped in, in Hamas and Gilad Shalit and Israel released a thousand terrorists from Israeli prison to get back this one Israeli soldier. One of those was uh, the one of the local heads of Hamas. Uh, Yahya Sinwar, and uh, we let him out, you know, as part of a prisoner exchange. But here, the numbers just don't add up. I mean, the number of people that have 
were killed. And this is, is probably 10 times the number of hostages that there are. So, you know, saving innocent lives, uh, you know, it's we, we want to save every innocent life. But at the same time, we have to make it clear that Hamas can never, uh, ever dream of carrying out any kind of attack on Israel, uh, certainly not one of this scale ever again. So, Alex, on the way out, the last 60 seconds, uh, listening to other people on the station, I spoke to your, your colleague and friend Caroline Glick uh, earlier this morning talking about how you guys are surviving. You know, the supermarkets supposedly are running out of everything, water, and I know a lot of you folks are uh, trying to fill your cars up with gas and food and water just in case you really can't leave the bomb shelter for a couple of days. What has life been like for you on that level the last few days? Yeah, I was very pleased to see this morning. It's, it's actually really nice weather here in Jerusalem, and uh, people are out and about on the streets. The, the stores were getting deliveries this morning, so we saw the fruit shelves and, and others uh, full. Uh, and so people are out going to the stores again. Uh, but there's definitely a feeling that this today might be the calm before the next storm, because if Hezbollah starts firing rockets all over the country, the entire country is going to be hunkered down in bomb shelters for an extended period. Oh, my God. Listen, Alex, thank you for doing this. I, I think you're coming back again tomorrow. It's I can't thank you enough because uh, even though we get reports here and there, for the most part, pretty accurate. You are right there. I just want you to be safe. Seriously, be safe and have yourself a good day. We'll do it again tomorrow, pal. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Alex Trayman, live in Jerusalem with the latest there. Just, man, that is some life. Our boys, that is some life. Yeah. Just, they're just waiting for the next shoe to fall, and it's coming, yeah. and it's going to be big. They're really big. I mean, they're just surrounded by it. It's, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. It's, crazy. it's everywhere. It's crazy. All right, we'll take a short break. When we get back, uh, city councilwoman out of Brooklyn, my favorite city council person, to be honest, Ina Vernikov is joining us next, hitting friends in the morning. Sid and friends in the morning. What'd you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day so satisfied I'm on my way. Now we spoke to the mayor, Eric Adams, in the city. We've had two conversations this morning live in Jerusalem, both uh, JNS folks. Alex Tremaine, live in Jerusalem moments ago, and Caroline Glick early this morning. Alex telling us there has been a terror attack recently, not far from Jerusalem, by the West Bank. So it's official now that basically all of Israel has been under attack. And uh, the worry there is that Hezbollah will start to up, up their end of this, which will be a lot worse than Hamas has done. And I mean in terms of uh, rockets and firepower, what Hamas did on the streets was horrendous. So there's a uh, healthy fear in Israel right now. There's a lot of folks here in America that are worried about loved ones who are there and trying to get back. So we'll go to Brooklyn, where my favorite council person, Councilwoman Ina Vernikov, is this morning. Ina, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, not not doing great, uh, yeah. but 
trying to hang in there. No, I know. I mean, that's you basically are, are saying what we're all saying, which is uh, no one's doing great. It's hard to really be happy about a heck of a lot of the last couple of days. But, you know, you also have to remember life goes on. You know, the I know that the, the jihadists are talking about Friday and, and calling for a jihad day. And you just, you know, if you start doing what they say, then you're, you're playing into their fears and you can't do that either. So you got to go out. You got to live your life. And, and hopefully, you know, the people around you protect you and and if God is good to you, you know, you survive. But you can't, you cannot, you cannot allow these people to uh, to run your life because of their fear tactics. I know you agree with that. I totally agree with that. And, I mean, look, we survived. And I know it's hard to talk about it right now, but we survived the worst atrocities, right? We're, we're a nation that is always persecuted, and uh, we've experienced a genocide, and we rose from the ashes of the Holocaust. We rebuilt an amazing country, a beautiful democracy, the only democracy in the Middle East. Um, and we will continue to persevere. We are so resilient. We are, I think, the most resilient nation on earth. Tell me, though, about the 2,000-plus folks. Noam Layden was uh, the first person to tell me this, that um, well, people have contacted you looking for their loved ones. What is you? You uh, you know, have been dealing with this on a very large scale. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I mean, this is a situation that, of course, is way above my pay grade. Um, I'm a local council member, but my constituents, a ton of them, are stuck in Israel, desperately trying to get out. And, uh, you know, Sid, I, um, you know, as soon as I found out what's happening, as soon as the holiday was over, I contacted Chuck Schumer's office to see what we could do. They basically told me, um, that I should be collecting information and we could flag it for the State Department. So, you know, I posted on my Twitter that I'm assisting uh, people who are stuck in Israel, who want to get out or who are from New York. And I thought I would get, you know, I, I don't know, maybe 20. I totally underestimated what is going on. Um, and we are just inundated. My office was in. My staffers came in. They volunteered to come in on Columbus Day, which was a national holiday. We were off. They were not supposed to be working. Uh, a lot of them are not Jewish. And they came in. They were volunteering. They were working from home, working from the office, calling people back. The amount of emails that I'm getting, I cannot describe to you, were just flooded. And the phones did not stop ringing. Um, it, it, it just, it's so heartbreaking. And we're desperately trying to help these people. I'm on the phone trying to figure it out, charter planes, this flight, that flight. I got a call from Elal yesterday. Um, let me just tell you this. Right now, the United States has no evacuation plans to get American citizens out of the war zone. While we have all these countries who already pulled their citizens out, how is that possible? Oh, come on. You, you, are you really asking me how is that possible? I mean, I, I know you watched Joe Biden yesterday. Don't tell me you were impressed, were you? I think this is Afghanistan all over again when it comes to pulling our citizens out of a war zone. And it's it's just impossible. It, it is so embarrassing. What an international embarrassment this is, that the United States cannot send a plane to pick up their citizens when they're under rocket fire. It is embarrassing, hard to believe. Well, get back to the president's speech, though, for a second. 
you know, he uh, talked about how uh, we felt badly for Israel. We're there for Israel, whatever they need. But that, I mean, I've been saying this all morning long. I sound like a broken record, but that's the easy stuff. Right? Obviously, he's going to say that. But if you're looking for real leadership, right, somebody that may instill fear into Hamas or Iran or any one of these terrorist countries, I didn't see a lick of that yesterday. His toughest moment was if you think you if you're thinking about doing something, don't. Don't? Are you kidding me? That's 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 a tough president of the United States? I was embarrassed for him. What about you? It's it's absolutely insane. I mean, look, I appreciate the support and everybody's making very nice speeches right now, but there's no action. They're not sending planes. And they're telling Israel to stand down? Really? Forty babies were found murdered. Some of them beheaded. Things that we cannot even imagine. And he's, he has the guts, the chutzpah, to tell Israel to stand down right now? Israel needs to annihilate Hamas. And they need to do it at all costs. When you say it at all costs, when yeah. you say it all costs, you know, you know, we know that they've got 150 hostages and... 14 Americans were already dead, which is Biden's concern, mostly, more than the Israelis. 14 Americans are already dead. There are some Americans being held hostage as well. And uh, Hamas knew from the very beginning they had to take hostages because that would be their leverage. But I think Israel has made it pretty clear, using the same word you just used, which is this is not a war of land, a war of opportunity. This is now annihilation, that they're going to do whatever they have to do to wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. I think that's what you're saying, yes? And, I mean, I have no idea how they're going to do that and save the hostages. And Israel, we know. Israel, the Jewish people, the state of Israel values life like no one else. Remember what they did for one soldier, Gilad Shalit, they exchanged 1,000 terrorists. For one soldier, including uh, a head of Hamas. Good news is, according to the IDF, the Israelis did kill two of the head members of Hamas yesterday. So that is uh, that is clearly underway. So before we get uh, at the end of this conversation, Ina, to your council race, um, what do you want to say to the folks in Brooklyn who... Um, or may have friends or family in Israel, or just uh, the the massive amount of Jewish constituents you have that are nervous about uh, life in Israel, and maybe even here on this Wednesday morning. Just we have to all unite. We have to be united. You know, I was uh, talking at a vigil yesterday at a synagogue, and I was uh, just telling there were a few hundred people there. I was just telling them that right now, this is not the time to discuss the conflict. This is not the time to fight with our Jewish brothers and sisters. This is a time to work together. I am working with anyone in government right now that I possibly can. I am working with people that I routinely criticize, that I disagree with on so much. But anyone who's willing to give me help with what's going on right now, I am taking it. I will accept any help. And we need to all work together. And anybody who is supporting us, we need to unite with them. And anything that we can do, whatever every person can do, whatever is in their capacity, they should do, even if they feel hopeless 
Uh, that's what we're trying to do. And my constituents should know that I we are doing whatever we can, even though this is not our job. Uh, this is the job of the federal government. We are really doing what we can to try to help. And as soon as we get any information, we have a ton of emails, email addresses, contact information. We will send it out to everyone that contacted us as soon as we have anything. So well, your council, people, yes. people yes. should know that there's someone, yeah. there are people that care about what's happening and they're trying to help. Well, that's important. Uh, your race is coming up in November. Again, Councilwoman Ina Vernikoff, I endorse her wholeheartedly, 1,000%. Uh, my old area there, Sheepshead Bay and Manhattan Beach, Gravesend, all those are great neighborhoods where I grew up. Uh, quickly, in the last 30 seconds, for people who want to help you out in, in your attempt to win again, which you will, you're going to win again. But for folks who want to help, Ina, what's the best way to do it? I'll be honest with you. I am really not thinking about my race right now. The election's November 7th. Um, this is not my priority. It's not what's in my, you know, it's not in my thoughts right now. But uh, people should just come out to vote uh, November 7th. Good for you. That is a great answer. And I know you mean that. You're being sincere. Ina, you're the best. Uh, good luck to uh, Thank those you folks. Thank so much in, for having me. Oh, come on. Anytime. Uh, be well. Safe. All right. Safe. You too. Thank you, Ina. Ina Vernikoff, councilwoman in the neighborhood I grew up in in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, she's right. Right now, these uh, council races and all these other things, just uh, they don't seem to matter. Really. I said to Nancy Mace last night, I don't give a, sh- a uh, shizzle about this, um, this House Speaker today. I brought her on because it's huge news. She was great. But make me care. Make me care. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. How many of us have them? 77 WABC. Daryl Hall's birthday today. How old is uh, Hall? 77. 77 is a great song. Easy to tell me that you're. Dissatisfied. Name the song again. Keep going. You're gonna get it. Last time I met you, I really got a lame excuse. I know that you lied. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Tony Darrow is a big-time singer, dancer, actor. He does it all. He's worked with some of the best in Hollywood. Become a dear friend of mine. He's got a big show coming up. And he worked the mountains for many, many years. And uh, that's where all the Jews are. All those great hotels, the Grossinger's, Stevensville, Concord, uh, all of them. Kutch's. Here's my friend Tony. Tony, good morning, buddy. How are you? I I used to do all that stuff, all the uh, Yiddish songs, and uh, I think the Italian mother and the Jewish mother are one of the same. Uh, You don't know the difference because they're just loving parents and wonderful people. And I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. I don't want to get into everything that was said already. I just want to say that the president, who I think is a schmuck, he he said something that really got to me, though. When he was speaking with Golda Meir, uh, when he was down there. In and the by Senate. the way, before you go any further, you don't, even, you don't know that really even happened because he lies so much, Joe Biden. But go ahead. I know. But he did say, she said, he said to her, uh, what can we do for you? And she says, what can you do for us? We have nowhere to go. Right. This is our country, and we're surrounded. He did say and, uh, that. Yeah, that's what he said. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was a brutal, it was a brutal speech. 
<laughs> Where are they going to go? To another country? Right. They're surrounded by animals. Right. Oh, it's true. It's true. They are. Yeah. And um, and it's funny because, uh, you know, you sang Shalom Aleichem, and you, I know you speak Yiddish. And, and you listen, you know I was at the Columbus Day Parade on uh, on Monday, and that's because Angelo Vivolo considers me an honorary Italian because I am Jewish, and Jews and Italians are almost exactly the same. And your, your whole early career of performing up in the mountains was basically performing for the Jews. Yeah, and uh, uh, I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. I used to go with the rabbi to uh, Howard Beach and pick those long weeds for the holiday circus so we could build a sookie. Uh, you know, in the backyard for the for the people to pray in, and I was a Shabbos goy. <laughs> I used to, they Shabbos needed a, a, an an extra person to pray, and yep. they would call me, and they called me Anthony, not Anthony, Anthony. That's cute. And I love so that. Yeah, it's hot. It's heartwarming. It really is. Yeah. And uh, I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to say that I'm going to be at the Broadway Comedy Club. Uh, Wednesday, October 25th at 9 a.m. It's on 318 West 53rd Street and Broadway. And we're going to do a thing with the guys from Gravesend. And it's my birthday, so we're going to do like a party oh. after and a meet and greet. So if anybody's around and wants to come, please, uh, we're sold out. You know, I did a show once in Atlantic City, and there was only one guy in the audience in the middle of the winter. And I walked out, and I said, I sit back, relax, I'm going to do a show just for you. He says, try to hurry up. I'm the janitor. I want to get the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, Tony. Now, that's funny. I haven't laughed in uh, four days. You just made me laugh. Thank you for that. Uh, One more time. I'm going to bring you back before the show in two weeks. But give the folks the information one more time, Tony. Broadway Comedy Club, Wednesday, October 25th. The show is at 9 p.m., and I got a great opening act. Her name is, uh, oh, jeez. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> her, name is, her name is Joanne Roberts, and she's very pretty, and she sings in languages. And it's 318 West 53rd Street uh, and Broadway. Tony, we'll do it again, uh, if not next week, the week after. Give my regards to all of our friends, Joe and Kono, the whole crew, and I and, and I love you, and we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Thank you for a and couple also, of minutes. And also Hamas, if they came to East Harlem, we'll show them what to do. Oh, oh <laughs> let me tell you, I have more confidence in you guys than anybody in Washington, D.C., I can promise you that, Tony. Tony, I love you. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> God bless. God Bye. bless you. That's uh, the great Tony Darrow. He's such a cool guy, handsome guy, too, in his 80s. Don't forget, tomorrow is the second annual, thank you, Tony, the second annual Dyspraxia for DCD America Radiothon, which me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, are very proud to uh, put on here. My son, Gabriel, who many of you love, as you should, he'll be in studio, too. So uh, three Rosenbergs, Abe is in Europe, but me, Danielle, and Gabe will be in studio tomorrow. Joseph Aboud, our dear friend Joseph, has already donated $1,000 and, of course, uh, tomorrow morning we'll give you all the information, all the information you need to donate more throughout tomorrow's program. We did well last year, but we're hoping to do much better this year. Check us out on Instagram at Dyspraxia for uh, Dyspraxia DCD America, at Dyspraxia DCD America. And, once again, tune in tomorrow at 6. We're also going to have a regular guest tomorrow. Bill O'Reilly will be here. 
George Napolitano's going to be here. Alan Dershowitz is going to be here. We've got a couple of big shows coming up, but please be here tomorrow. Help us raise awareness and donate what you can. My crew, great job again today. Lou Rafino, as always, you're not good. You're amazing. The best ever, in fact, in your job. The best ever. Justin Ellick, you're brilliant. Noam Layden, I'm so proud of you. And your show this morning at 5 was great, too. We'll all be back, as my friend Gene says, God willing, at 6 a.m. tomorrow for a Thursday morning radiothon. Until then, from all of us here on Sid and Friends in the morning, and all of us here at Talk Radio 77 WABC, I'll speak on behalf of John and Margot Katsimatidis, which, again, the same three words I've used the last couple of days, folks. On the way out, pray for Israel. Pray for Israel. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.